This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Mullins Toy Company. Mullins Toy Company, not just dolls, but memories in the making. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's Haunted Doll Week on Pod Cemetery with 1991's Child's Play 3 and 2017's Annabelle Creation. Moving right into our first movie, 1991's Child's Play 3, our classic film this week. Kelsey's doing it. <laughs> this is our fourth. It's our fourth Child's Play movie. Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, the film is directed by Jack Bender and written by Don Mancini, based on the characters he created. Starring Justin Whalen, Perry Reeves, Jeremy Silvers, and Brad Dourif as, of course... The voice of Chucky. Apparently, Universal went to Don Mancini and was like, you gotta write a third film, and it needs to be ready to go and be released, like, nine months later. They gave him, like, no time or anything. And as such, he apparently says that this is the least favorite of the Child's Play movies. I can see why. I mean, I haven't seen any of the other ones, but... It's not great. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Like I said, this did release nine months after Child's Play 2, but the story takes place... Eight years later. Eight years later. Kelsey, can you tell us what Child's Play 3 is about? Andy is all grown up at a military school. Through a sequence of events that we will discuss later, (sighs) Chucky comes back to life, and he is back at her trying to get his soul... Only this time, it's a new kid that opens him up. So now he's going to try to take that kid's soul. Yeah, if you remember from the very first Child's Play movie, they are really leaning hard on this lore that the first child that he reveals the secret that he is really Charles Lee Ray to is the one whose body he can swap with. And there is a new child that he reveals himself from this new body yeah. They're, man, they are really stretching it, this yes, lore. <laughs> they are. The movie is available with a subscription to Fubo, DirecTV, Sci-Fi, Sling, USA, Spectrum, and with ads on Peacock. You can rent it for $4 or buy it from $8 to $15. You can get it cheapest on Amazon and Vudu. Should people watch Child's Play 3? I wouldn't. I wrote, my very last note here is, what a tired and unnecessary movie. (laughs) Yeah, there, I mean, and we both had a lot of good things to say about the first two. Well, especially the first one. But yeah, we actually sort of liked, like we were okay with Child's Play 2. But this is just a nothing movie. It really is. And with weird tones and jokes and it's a weird setting for a child's play movie at a military school. And right. 
It's it's odd. And there's a fairground at the very <laughs> end. Yeah, it's I wouldn't. It's a magic fairground. Yes, it is. <laughs> It's like a TARDIS ride. It's bigger on the inside than on the outside. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, no, it's so unnecessary. Just so, re- like, it's very obvious that they just needed to make another Child's Play movie. Yeah, let's just, it feels like, okay, well, we can just slap our villain anywhere. But it does not work in a military school. It's weird. Yeah, there are unique scenarios that are introduced by it being at a military school. But, you know, we're back at the, oh, man, there's a killer doll, but nobody believes you thing. And it's like, Jesus, do we really need to go through this again? Yes, again and again and again. And now they can, you know, make you run laps in the rain because it's a military school. Yeah, like... (laughs) built-in villains with your dickhead drill sergeant you know Uh like it just doesn't scream effort (laughs) right exactly but at the same time it's got weird shit like the some weird shit yeah the, the barber why is that character in the movie it's so it's it's weird. It's, it's the weird dad from Hellraiser tone. just randomly playing a barber in this. Who gets off on like, you know, taking away their hair. And I get it. That was a whole thing from the 50s. I get it. Yeah. But this isn't the 50s. It's the 90s. It's a weird, it's a weird movie. And interestingly, part four, Bride of Chucky, didn't come out for another like seven years. And it takes place just a month after this one. So really? they did they did the time jump in the canon. Uh-huh. Only nine months later. How they funny. did an eight year time jump. And then seven years later they did a one month time jump. They like let it catch up a little bit. How weird. Yeah. That's Bride of Chucky. So uh we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. We got another Annabelle movie to watch, so yeah. You know. <laughs> anyway, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1991's Child's Play 3. End of Summer Blues got you down? Well, you're in luck, because here comes the Chuck. No, you're dead. We killed you. Wrong again, wimp. Chucky's back, and this time, he's looking for a new recruit. Just think, Chucky's gonna be a bro. Child's Play 3, Rated R, starts tomorrow at theaters everywhere. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Child's Play 3 begin? With his melted corpse being picked up in the factory. Yeah, do you remember that from Child's Play 2? When he got like this... I don't even remember what it was. The sludge acid thing poured on him and... I don't remember, but I do know that he got melted. Yeah. And when this claw goes to pick him up, it pierces his body and his Charles Lee Ray blood comes out. And even though we just saw this place, it is covered in cobwebs because they shut down production like immediately. And for whatever reason, this company held on to this real estate. Eight years. Yeah, for eight years. And did nothing with it. They finally, like, lift this thing out, and it it goes over a, 
like an active vat of liquid plastic for whatever reason. That's ready to go. I know. Yeah. So it's somewhere in between them cleaning the place up and picking up this mass. I guess they cleaned everything up and started the factory up again. Yeah. Or this plastic's been liquid for eight years. I don't know. Also, it it drips into a massive vat. Vat, yes. And only one of them becomes actually Chucky. For a moment, I was terrified. I thought there were going to be multiple Chuckies. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. But no, it's just one. But honestly, if I was a fan of the franchise or if I... Wanted to be more terrified. <laughs> That's a really good idea that they didn't do. But do you remember in the remake when, like, all those things came alive in the mall or in the store or whatever it is? But were they all evil? I don't remember. No, they don't couldn't remember. have been because he was made specifically by the mad. Right, but he had an AI and I think they were they were programmed to like oh. we had like a killer teddy bear and like shit like that. Or at least there were they were hinting at that and I wanted it. I don't remember. It's been a while since we watched that one, uh, but we didn't hate that one either. It's this one is just like, oh, OK, they've gotten bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, he bleeds into this plastic vat and. The very first one that comes out, they give to the man who decided to restart production of the dolls. Yeah, after this happens, they decide to restart production of the dolls. So why is there this liquid vat of plastic? Yeah. Don't know. It's... But we get a title sequence, and it's Chucky melting in reverse, which is an interesting thing, but it, it goes on forever. It looks cool until it starts to drip up. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, it's cool to watch the core of it That's really up. just obvious what's happening. Yeah, but when it gets to the end and it's just like, it's just the very first drips that are just coming up magically, just it like looks really up. bad. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, let's, just for a second, let's talk about this evil corporate guy <laughs> who just does not give a flying fuck about uh, the fact that one of his dolls did some murder. He right. thinks it's all bullshit. So you get pretty, a refresher, right? Yeah, so you're pretty stoked when he gets the doll. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Because you know he's going to die. Yeah, they're having, a, a like, a board meeting, and one person is giving a presentation that's two slides long about... Hey, here's this kid that was terrorized by our doll. We can't restart production. And then the CEO's like, hmm, interesting point, but counterpoint, money. Yeah. <laughs> We're restarting the line. <laughs> and yes. so they do. And they like give him the first Chucky doll off the line, despite the fact that you will see two other good guys dolls. Yeah. In his apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Or his uh, office apartment thing that he has, this uh, this uh, penthouse thing. I mean, right there, guys, right off the bat, just again, always, 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 if you don't care about your movie, why should I? Right, yeah. So he gets uh, he gets attacked by Chucky. Yeah, now, uh, we all know that Charles E. Ray, his whole thing is he just wants to kill people, which is not exactly really what a serial killer does, but hey- it's a movie. Uh-huh. And, you know, he'll kill anybody and he enjoys doing it and he does it in different ways every single time. So there's just, it's always up for, hey, what does he feel like doing this time? And this time he has a very convoluted plan. With all uh, the toys? He brings the guy his golf club. I guess to get him up 
out of the seat so that Chucky can run around and do things. And it's just really funny that it requires him to bring him the golf club so that he will get up to go play golf. But it is a setup so that we can see uh, the feet running across, which is a very terrifying always, shot. Always works. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he then has to bring him back over to the couch so that he can drop the marbles. Like, it's just, it's a very convoluted yeah. plan. Uh, yeah, and then there are all these other toys that turn on. Uh, and then he says what could be the tagline of this movie if it didn't have the expletive. Don't fuck with the Chuck. Don't fuck with the Chuck. Last one was Sorry Jack Chucky's back. This one's Don't Fuck with the Chuck. Yeah, but it had to throw in that F word. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then he also, like, throws a dart in his back. Like, he just he, he just plays with him. He fucks with him. But it's just kind of... I guess it's because he has all the toys, and so that's the setup here for this guy's death. Uh Uh-huh. But anyway, he ends up strangling, and he says nothing like strangulation to get the circulation going. Uh Uh-huh. In that very Brad Dorif, Chucky voice. Just like the good old days. Nothing like his strangulation to get the circulation going. But so, he brings up the information about Andy. Yeah. Which, for some reason, Playpals has. And Chris noticed, very quickly, I might add, that juvenile was spelled incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you don't give a fuck about your movie, why should I? I look at a lot of copy and proofread it. But this is where he finds out that Andy has been shipped off to a military school. His mother has been placed in a home. No one believes them about what happened. Yep. It's a shitty situation for everyone involved. Yeah. But hey, it's got an actor that we know from Serial Mom. Yeah, this is Justin Whalen. But yeah, then we're introduced to, like Chris said, the guy from Hellraiser, the dad, who plays this barber, and, like, he gets off on taking away these kids' hair, and I get that that is a stock character, but he is not played as a stock character. Like, he has several scenes. He has a death scene. And, like, I don't know, you get this really creepy vibe from this guy, so I guess maybe you're supposed to be happy that he dies? But it also makes that, it makes it less scary, because I don't, I, I don't care if he dies. And also... He just has a he has weird jokes throughout the whole movie and he just has a strange tone that doesn't match anything else yeah. in the film. He gets like four scenes maybe, at least 3. This is where he meets Tyler. Yes, a young boy who's also there for military school. The reason they are in the barber shop is so that they can see a TV, which has a commercial for the good guy doll. You remember which, that from the first movie? Yeah, yeah. Which really excites Tyler. Yeah, but Andy is, like, he goes into panic mode. But does an admirable job of keeping himself, himself composed. Right. But internally, everything goes, like, in slow-mo. And then we get Tyler going, like, oh, uh, basically the same reaction that Andy had when he was a little kid and saw that commercial for the first time. Mm-hmm. His roommate fucking sucks. Okay, here's the thing about his roommate. His roommate is Whitehurst. His full name is Harold Aubrey Whitehurst. And there are characters, this happens all the time, where Kelsey goes, you are a weak person, and thus I dislike you. And I admonish her, 
like, oh, Kelsey, stop being so judgmental. You know, everyone has weaknesses, and I'm sure it's not a great time for them. You need to have some empathy. No, this guy fucking sucks. And then he has, an um, like, an unearned ending. But- yeah, totally. But no, yeah, they try to redeem him last minute, or maybe they didn't feel like they needed to redeem him. They really did. He's pretty much the most pathetic character you will see in any of these movies that's not, like, played for laughs. Yeah, he is not played for laughs. And he sucks a lot. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Why is he having such a hard time at Kent Military Academy, Kelsey? Because their drill sergeant hates him because he's a loser. Because he's a pathetic loser and the drill sergeant knows it. Yeah. Not to not to say that the drill sergeant doesn't suck too. He mm-hmm. does. But, I mean, you know, Whitehurst shouldn't be in the military school. It's probably why yeah. his dad sent him there. Their drill sergeant is another young man played by Travis Fine. His name is Shelton. I think he's actually a lieutenant colonel. We say drill sergeant like, as the concept, not as the actual rank. Mm -hmm. And he has his own little lackey as well, who's also a sort of villain character named Ellis. This is Matthew Walker, and we just saw him last week. He is Spitz from Halloween 5. I was, like, looking through the cast list, and I'm like, I recognize that photo of him dressed up as a clown. He's the one... Who wears the Michael Myers mask and the cops pull their guns on him. He's the one who gets the pitchfork through the back. Oh, that guy? Uh Uh-huh, who worked at the convenience store where Mikey gets the beers. What year did that come out? 89, so just like two years prior to this. It's so funny. He looks kind of at this point, when I first saw him, I was like, uh, is that a young Christopher Titus? (laughs) (laughs) That was my first instinct. (laughs) But it spits. That's so funny. But yeah, I mean, you know all the stuff that it's a military academy, so they treat them like they're actual recruits, right? Like they're they're these military academy cadets and they do drills and all of this. And it's just every cliche that you could think of is happening. But importantly, Shelton treats Whitehurst terribly as his servant, basically. Yes. There's also a female yeah, this is De Silva. Also, we find out her name is Kristen later, but De Silva is what she's called through most of the movie. She is a love interest, and she is a badass. She is. That's like her whole thing. She doesn't take no shit from nobody. It's good kind for of, her. I think she's kind of trying to get kicked out. Right. Like, maybe not going all the way, but, like, she wouldn't give a shit if she She doesn't did. give a shit. Yeah, and when she's told to do push-ups and then one-handed push-ups, she's like, okay. Like... She just, she won't show weakness to anybody. And that's kind of cool. Yes. She is awesome. So you might be wondering, how is Chucky going to get there? (laughs) Fucking, none of this makes sense. (laughs) Like, like they they don't interrogate this in any way. He gets shipped there. He gets in a box and then wrapped in butcher paper and then addressed to Andy, care of the military academy who did that for him i love that that bothers you but in phantom of the paradise when he ships himself you're just like i he get it ship himself he jumps into a truck that is shipping things he jumps into a box and jumps into the truck in the box what i'm saying is how does he get into the box the box gets wrapped 
and addressed and posted and then taken to whatever shipping facility it needs to go to. Okay. What do you mean, okay? I think they're both on the same level of stupid. If you climb into a box, that's one thing. There are things that needed to be done to this package after Chucky is inside. Yeah, so he ships himself, and they've already established that Tyler has a connection to the mailman because he always checks to see if his dad sent him anything, but he doesn't. And his dad never does. And his dad's like some higher up in the military. Hotshot pilot or something. Yeah, and like that will never go anywhere. We just needed a reason for him to be there. I guess. And it gave us this sort of like emotional depth to Tyler that is never fucking addressed. Yes. Ever again. No. And oh my God, I don't want to be a dick because he's a kid, but he is a terrible actor. Right, but he's just a kid. He's He's very, very young. He's so young, he should not be in a military academy. Well, yeah, I mean, he's part of the kids, the kids group. Right, but there shouldn't be a kids group in a military. There is a minimum age to go to a military academy, and he does not meet it. I see, I see. But so when he finds out it's a good guy doll because a kid like knocks it out of his arm and down the stairs, it gets ripped open. So he sees what it is. So he's just like. Oh, shit. I'm going to take this for myself. Now, there's a weird implication in this movie that sometimes Charles Lee Ray is not inside the doll. Or he's not awake. That's weird. Have they shown that at all? No, I think it's more just like he can just turn into just an inanimate doll. He did that in, in both of the prior movies, too. Right, but what I'm saying is... In those versions, at least he knew what was going on. Oh, yeah. When he takes him down to the basement and opens him up, like, he should be able to see him. Yes. But when he takes him out of the box, Chucky is like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, he didn't see that he was taking him out. Yeah. So. They didn't think about it very much. But, like, there's other parts where, you're right, he absolutely, he goes limp. I get that. But, like, there's other parts where it's like, is he even in there? (laughs) See, I did, I had where? Even, I had, it never even occurred to me. It occurred to me several but times. But I get it, yeah. I gotta say, guys, uh, this is the first movie that really used the faces poorly. Oh, and if Kelsey's telling you that, you know it's something. That's, like, the worst part of Chucky for her, is the faces he makes, especially his, like, yell. yes. And it's really bad in this movie. Uh-huh. It does not look lifelike at all. Do you remember when we watched Child's Play, how Kelsey, she needed to watch through her legs? She had, like, her legs up and watched, like, the whole movie that way? hmm How was your watching experience seeing this movie? I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't having a great time, but they would just keep it on that face. Uh-huh. Like, it would be like he was talking, and it wouldn't move. Uh-huh. And it was just like, oh, well, that's not alive at all. Right. That's a puppet, and it's a bad puppet. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, this was the first time that I felt that. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, well, go back and watch the first two, and you'll realize it now that you've seen it. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe the puppet has always been bad. But I feel like in this one, they were not trying. There's a lot of personality you can give something that's not, like, explicitly realistic. But it goes a long way to suggesting life. That I, I, It's just not here. 
It's not here. It, he does not feel alive. Uh-huh. And it reminded me a lot. I was in, When I was in high school, we had to do a vi- – I was in freshman year Spanish. We had to do a video that was all in Spanish, and it could be about anything. And these kids had a Chucky doll. Mm-hmm. And so they made a video all about Chucky running around the house. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified when I realized what it was. But – it was just one of those shitty ones that they bought, you know, at fucking Spencer's, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And, you know, they it's have, probably exactly where they bought it, yeah. <laughs> right, and they don't have, like, good camera or anything, so it's, mm-hmm. like, pretty ca- kind of far away, so, like, I could handle it. But as I was watching it when I was a freshman in high school, I was like, oh, this looks really bad, because it's just a doll. Uh-huh. It doesn't move. It's not alive. You uh-huh. know, they were they were literally dragging it across the floor, so uh-huh. I could watch it. And this... This felt like that. Felt like that. Uh huh. The creepiest part is when he runs across, right? Yeah. Now I'm pretty sure the first time they showed it, it was a kid running across, which is what they did in the first movie, which is why it looks so scary and real. Yeah, this is like a puppet that's just like moving its legs. At one point, it's a <laughs> puppet in this. The feet don't even go flat on the ground. Uh-huh. Like you could tell there's no weight there. Yes. Yeah. If you don't care about your movie, why should I? Yep. So Tyler's down there, and for whatever reason, Chucky is pissed that he's not with Andy, and he just blurts out, I'm not a good guy, or whatever it is he says. My name's Charles Lee Ray, and I'm a killer. Ah." You know, or whatever. No, he doesn't, like, attack him or anything, but he, like, talks to him like a normal-ass person. Tampering with the male is a federal offense. Uh Uh-huh. And, okay, no, I'm totally fine with him having conversations with people, especially with people that don't realize... That it's not supposed to do that. Tyler's like, I thought you only spoke three sentences or whatever. Because he's a little kid. He doesn't fucking know. He's definitely older in real life than right, he's totally. playing. But, you know, there's the impression that you get in the movie. Mm-hmm. But what just happened? He just revealed his secret to this little boy. And now that he's in a new body, it's a new secret. And Andy is not the body he needs to take over How anymore. How realize it's that? Tyler. There's a line of dialogue where it, like, occurs to him. Wait. Minute. I got a new body, and I ain't told anyone about my little secret yet. So, uh, what's your name, kid? Tyler. What's yours? Chucky. But, uh, my real name is Charles Lee Ray. The kid keeps calling him Charles. And yeah. it really pisses him off. <laughs> he wants him to call him Chucky, which is weird because... He introduced himself as Charles Lee yeah, Ray. that. And also, when he was a human, didn't he go by Charles? I don't know. He was a killer. He went by three names. Three I... first names. That's what they do. <laughs> but so he convinces the kid to play, quote unquote, hide the soul because this kid is just a moron. So he's playing the game. He's trying to get into his body or whatever. But before he can, the head of the school, the headmaster. Uh-huh. Shows up with the him. mailman guy. Yes. Catches him. And he's just like, dolls are for girls. Uh-huh. And takes it away takes from him. Takes the doll him. away from him. Throws him in the trash. Yes. A la Annabelle. Yes. And a la Annabelle, he comes right back. So he, he takes him and he like... 
I don't know if he does or if he takes him down to the trash and then he gets tossed into the back of a trash truck that's there. He, he yells out, yells out, help me, help yes. me. And the, the trash driver gets in and somehow Chucky is able to get out of there well, without the guy noticing. The thing is, and I don't the- think he was ever actually in trouble. Which makes you wonder, okay, why call out at all? He just wanted to see somebody die. He just wanted to fuck with somebody is the only conclusion you can come to here. Because, yeah, as soon as, like you say, as soon as the trash guy comes out, Chucky just hops over the side. But we know that he got dumped in. We saw it happen. Yeah, but he can climb up the outside is what was what the the point is. And if he could always do that, he didn't need any help from this trash guy. He just wanted to kill him. And this guy, like a total idiot, left everything on and then climbed in the back. Well, if you thought going. if you thought there was a kid back there, wouldn't you turn that shit off? There, I don't think it was working anymore. I think Chucky turned it on. No, it was all on. Chucky just flipped the switch to make things go. Mm. But like the power and everything was on. Like mm. turn that shit off. But yeah, that's what happens. Dude climbs in the back. And there is, for whatever reason, a fucking labyrinth cleaner spiked wheel inside this yeah, trash truck. It is very labyrinth, yes. Like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Is that what they look like? No! How do you know? Because I've seen a trash truck before. <laughs> They're just compression things. That's all it does. Just uh, pneumatic presses that compact the trash. Okay, so... Here we go again. Here's another time where Chucky does not seem alive at all. When the guy carries him out to the trash, uh-huh. he walks right by Andy. Andy sees him. Yeah. Flips the fuck but out. But does he see Andy? No. Well, maybe he does. And he's just off because he doesn't want to. But it would have been an interesting opportunity to have him like Use narrow his eyes, eyes or something yes. like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But nothing. Yeah. But, you know, you can imagine. Listen, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that was my experience. I just imagined that behind this blank facade, he realized that's Andy. Maybe. He recognized him right away, despite the fact that he is now like double the age he was originally. Mm, yes, that too. I guess that's true. That's a good point. I think he saw a picture of him or something, but I don't know. Yeah, he, maybe he, in the PlayPal's computer for some fucking reason. I don't remember. So anyway, Andy more knows that Chucky's there. Shit oh, yeah. uh-huh. that I, we don't Just all hear the shit about. that you imagine him learning will happen, how to shoot happens. a gun, him being yelled at by the drill sergeant, don't him care, being inf- uh, humiliated by the drill sergeant, bonding with De Silva, bonding and Whitehurst. with Whitehurst. None of this matters. Who cares? Why did I come to see a movie? Uh, okay, look. First of all, I don't like military movies. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy them. In fact, I really dislike Full Metal Jacket. I didn't come here to see a Full Metal Jacket movie. I thought I was here to see a killer doll. Yeah. But all this shit is going on because they think you give a shit and you don't. So Chucky attacks Andy. Yeah, and it's weird because you think he ca- he cut his ankle. Oh, yeah. But apparently his, he did nothing. His Achilles tendon a la Pet Cemetery. Nope. Apparently he did nothing. Uh-huh. He just sliced at his ankle, didn't touch it, and then right. walked right by him. Uh-huh. It's so weird. So they get into this fight, and this is where he tells him that, hey, I found a new body. And I think, right, this is the line, oh, my God. You're not going to kill me. You need me. You need to transfer your soul into my body. Wrong again, wimp. 
I got some fresh meat lined up and I'm not gonna let you spoil it, not this time. Tyler. Yeah, just think, Chucky's gonna be a bro. Because Tyler's black. Yes. Oh my God. And he even says it like with a little bit of an accent. Uh Uh-huh. However, I do like the line, you just can't keep a good guy down. Yeah, that could be the tagline. I do like that line. But Shelton comes in on this fight and is like, what the fuck is happening here? And he takes the Chucky doll from Andy. And he's like, oh, well, my sister's birthday's coming up. Yes, yes. So this spurs Andy to do the... The stupidest plan. The thing that you know is going to happen. He's going to have to sneak into Shelton's room, and then he's going to get caught. With a knife. Of course, I uh-huh. don't think they bring I don't up think the they knife do. here. I was like, oh man, he's going to have a knife in Shelton's room. He's fucked, but I don't think they ever find it. But yeah, so he breaks into the room, and Shelton wakes up, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing in here? And he realizes that the doll is gone. The problem with this is... Why would Andy still be in his room if he had already stolen the doll? Yeah! Did he magically make the doll, like, disappear? Uh Uh-huh. What do you think happened? But he assumes that he took it, or somebody did. So he makes all of them get up. It's like 11 o'clock at night, or midnight Midnight, or something. And he makes them walk around in a circle. It might even be raining. They have to carry their guns. It sucks. And they all blame... Andy, uh-huh. but again, it doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. But it's those cliches, you know, we got to have them. Yes. Chucky, in the meantime, goes to find Tyler, who just wants to play hide and seek with his living doll. Leaves a note. You're it. Come and find me. I just love- like Annabelle. <laughs> yes. There are a lot of connections between uh-huh. this one and Annabelle. I mean, well, just, I guess, just Chucky and Annabelle, Uh more so than just the fact that they are dolls. Yeah. Even though Annabelle isn't a doll. (laughs) We'll get there. Drives me insane. We'll get there. Don't worry. We'll get there. (laughs) So he's walking around with a ridiculously huge knife. Uh Uh-huh. Chucky is. They try to play hide the soul. Well, no, they're playing... They're playing hide and seek. Right, but then and Tyler's like, oh, he pops out. Come and get me. <laughs> That's not how hide and seek works. Yeah, but I love when he says, come and get me. And Charles is just like, God damn it. Yes, uh, he's just exasperated. Yeah, like he's not even, like, he's, he's like, you know, he's not being murderous. He's not, ah, uh-huh, but like, like, like oh, this so is bad. annoying. <laughs> come and find me. God damn it. That was fun. Chucky exasperated is fun. Yes. <laughs> and so he finds the, they, they meet up somehow in Cochran's office, the headmaster dude. And they're playing hide the soul again when De Silva and, and one of her friends come in to raid the files looking for information on Andy. Yes. And when they realize that the kid took the doll, they're like... Oh, he's going to be so pissed when he realizes it's you. And it's just like, why not go and bring the doll back to the guy so the other people can go to bed? Right. Also, Also, why is she not being punished? Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Neither of these girls are. And his whole thing is he wants to torture everyone. Yeah, he's an equal opportunist. (laughs) It's weird. One, sir. Two, sir. 
sir. Now you Three, women. Sir. Four. Sir. I think that five, because you're so sir, much more delicate. Sir. Seven. You deserve sir, some sort of special eight, treatment. Sir. Nine. Sir. Once ten, a month, we're just going to get on out of your way. Sir. Twelve. Sir. Thirteen. Well, sir, you can forget 14, it. Sir. Fifteen. The same sir, rules 16, apply sir, for everybody. 17, sir. Eighteen. Sir. They find Tyler and Chucky like right before. They realize, like, they see the newspaper clippings of, like, young boy claims that doll came to life and, you know, all of that. So they never actually read those parts of his file. She puts lipstick on him and you think this is going to be important? It's not. It's just sort of humiliating for Chucky because wearing lipstick would be humiliating. It's like gender norms all up in here. But, but it's not funny. It's not scary. If, it's if you just take weird. Out, if you take out the fact that Chucky is actually a possessed doll... None of these people know this. You just have De Silva picking on a little boy, and it does not make her likable. Taking something that belongs to the little boy and defacing it. Well, literally. As far as she's concerned, and it's true, he stole it. <laughs> I don't know that you really should give a shit. He stole it. Right. But it's like, it's it's this weird sort of like, let's put lipstick on it. And I know as an audience, we're supposed to go, but Chucky's in there. He won't like it if you put lipstick on him. Like, that's what you're supposed to be thinking. But in the context of the moment, she's just putting lipstick on a doll when a little boy asks her not to do it. And it's like, wow, De Silva, you're kind of a dickhead. Little boy that stole it. He found it there. He didn't steal it. He didn't steal it. But she, thinks but she doesn't know it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, nothing happens with that. They they leave him there, right? I think they have to because isn't this when this the guy is when walks Cochran in? shows up, yeah. Yeah, and he throws the doll into the trash. And then a second later, he's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. He, what does Chucky grab? What does he have? I thought it was like a knife. I thought it's his, he is has still like just a the knife, like a fucking Bowie knife or whatever. The gigantic one he was yeah. going to use on the kid, or which Bowie doesn't make knife, any sense because he can't kill the kid. Whatever. Uh, Maybe but, it's part of the ceremony after you do all the Dombala stuff. Who knows? But he is walking towards Cochran. And you're like, oh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And then Cochran just has, has a, a heart, heart attack, attack and yeah. dies. Uh-huh. And Chucky's just like, all right. <laughs> oh, no. Chucky says, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Andy realizes, like he knows because Chucky told him that Tyler's in danger. Right? So his job now is to protect Tyler from Chucky. And Tyler's like, Charles is my best friend. You're just jealous. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he kills the barber here. Yeah, there's another scene with the barber that he kills him. I mean, he slashes his throat. Mm-hmm. And Presto, you're dead, which I don't get how that's funny. And fucking Whitehurst walks in on him, having killed the barber holding the knife in his hand and very obviously animated. And he just go, he doesn't shut down. He doesn't go into a coma like that. He's just like, I didn't see shit. He's terrified, but like. More importantly, Chucky doesn't think of him as a threat. Right. Chucky never comes after him. He Uh, says boo. Yeah. And lets Whitehurst run away. For all you know, Whitehurst could be the lead honcho. You don't fucking uh know Chucky. And Whitehurst doesn't even tell anybody that the barber's dead. No. No. 
Whitehurst sucks on every level. On every level. And then, like, later on throughout this, the rest of this movie, Andy's going to be like, dude, come on. You know you saw it. I know that's why you're fucked up. I need your help. I need you to back me up when I say that this doll is animated. And Whitehurst is just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, yes, I know he's traumatized, and I, I, it really pains me to speak ill of the traumatized for how they manifest that trauma. It pains me to do that. But he's just a fucking dickhead. He is a, he's a bad person well, because... Well, it gets, it gets worse than this. Uh, Don't think that this is the worst thing he, that he does. Because I understand that he might be thinking, no one's going to believe me. I'm going to look crazy like you. I don't want to look crazy like you. Andy will believe you. Right. No, but that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Everyone will think I'm crazy like you are. So Uh I'm just not going to say anything. I understand that at this level, but it gets worse. Uh Uh-huh. So. They're going to play capture the flag. Basically, with somebody thought that you could just use an unmodified rifle for paintball. It's not how it works. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it's important to the plot that these are unmodified rifles. Yes. Because while they're talking about doing this, despite the fact that Cochran's dead. <laughs> Cochran would have wanted us. He to would have wanted us to still do this. is really important to him. So while they're talking about this, Chucky goes in and he swaps the ammunition in the red team, I want to say, in their guns with the, uh, however those bullets work, with real, actual ammunition. They'll show him doing this? And they'll show you that he's just throwing all those bullets all over the ground. But they don't show that he doesn't clean it up. (laughs) For all you know, he cleans it up. He takes the time to pick all those bullets up after it took all the time to change out the bullets. I don't know how this guy works, but he's fast. While they're out camping, because this is apparently an overnight thing, Shelton or whoever is out trying to find the other team's flag. Andy is trying to convince Whitehurst to help him find and save Tyler. And Whitehurst is like, no, I'm not going to fight. They're alone. And he's like, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy, man. <laughs> so Andy steals the map so he can help find Tyler. And that's going to be a big issue because everyone's going to be searching for Andy in the map. He goes AWOL. There's some ghost telling that goes oh, on. ghost stories, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Andy is not happy with them, so he walks away and De Silva follows him so they can look out at the fair that's right we next get introduced to the military fact that there's a fair. academy. And then they they share a kiss. Uh-huh. Because it's, it's important that there is now a romantic subplot. Because Andy stole the map... Shelton is like, he's doubling for the Reds. <laughs> I love that that's where he goes with it. Not, hey, maybe he's trying to get all the glory right. and go and get the flag without us. Well, because doubling for the Reds is like a, it's like a Cold War joke. No, I get the joke. <laughs> I'm saying in reality, if this were real, right. like yes. uh-huh. you would assume that. Or you would assume he took it just to fuck with me. Like, I love that he's like, he's doubling for the Reds. <laughs> but yeah so chucky ends up finding tyler he wants to play hide the soul and and tyler says no i don't want to do that and he realizes barkley was right you're not a good guy Uh uh-huh barkley was right you're not a good guy 
<laughs> Sorry, kid, you got me. I'm bad. Get it? Because the dolls are called good guys. Mm-hmm. So they get into a struggle and Tyler stabs Chucky and runs off to get Andy, the one person who knows that Chucky's bad. While De Silva, though, is out there helping Andy. Is she helping Andy look for Tyler? She's out there. Yeah, and I love that Tyler just magically knows that he's out there. Barkley, I'm here! Uh-huh. Like that he's being looked for. But Chucky jumps to Silva and, like, takes her hostage. Yes. And then calls on the radio. Shelton, like, doesn't believe, like, who is this? It's the Reds. Yeah. He assumes uh-huh. it's the Reds. It's all, it's all a trick. But the whole point is to get the Reds and the Blues together to fight each other. So his little fantasy with the real bullets plays out. One thing leads to another, and the Reds start firing their live ammunition and kill Shelton. Like, after the first shot, you should know that this is live ammunition. The first shot. Right? It took them a while to figure yes, it out. Yes, there are a lot of bullets flying before they figure out that they're firing real ammunition. And Ellis is freaking out because his best buddy, Shelton, is dead. Meanwhile, Chucky has, like, a grenade. Yeah, Okay, so at this point, like, we've everybody has seen Chucky holding the girl for ransom or whatever. He's got the gun to her head or the knife or whatever it is. I think it's he has the, the, the grenade. And he has a grenade and he's talking. And for some reason, Shelton's lackey still thinks it's Andy. Yes. What? Did you not see that doll? Are you in that much of denial? So Tyler's runoff. Chucky throws the grenade. And Whitehurst, in his redemption moment, jumps on the grenade. Totally unearned. Totally unearned. So anyway, a grenade goes off uh, underneath Whitehurst, who dies, obviously. Tyler has run off, and Chucky's gone off after him after he lobs the grenade. Andy goes after Chucky. De Silva goes after Andy. And everyone else sticks around because two children are dead. No! So now we just have, like, these four characters for the rest of the movie. Who are going to go off to the fair. Go to the fair. And Tyler runs into this haunted house thing that, like I said, is bigger on the inside. security cop. Oh, yeah. gets killed by Chucky. Off screen. (laughs) Who, like, finds Tyler and he's like, hey, kid, how can I help you? And he's like, he wants to play hide the soul. You've got to hide me. You've got to help me. He's like, don't worry, kid. I got everything you need, including this good guy doll. How did he get there first? Because Chucky was running after Tyler? Was he running after Tyler? Yes. Or did he leave before Tyler? Tyler left first. Why, why else would Chucky go to this fair? I did write down, cool, you're just bringing him to more people to kill. Right. Yes. But I, I, then I it thought is, maybe is, I missed something that he no. had left earlier. It is Tyler, followed by Chucky, followed by Andy, followed by De Silva. Anyway, so yes, I guess Chucky kills the security guard in front of Tyler <laughs> before Tyler runs off. When Andy and De Silva show up, they find the security guard dead. So they all go into this haunted house ride, and it is like, it is like Space Mountain 
roller coaster level, but with lights and like it's oh it's haunted. There's a volcano and there's monsters, but there's like full speed. It's a roller coaster. It's not a haunted house ride. It's huge. Tell yeah, me how they travel with this fucking thing. Maybe it's not a fair. Maybe it's a theme park. It is very much like a carnival. So is Knott's Berry Farm. No, this is just a fucking car. If you've seen a carnival, this is a carnival. <laughs> but yes, it is massive inside. And Tyler gets on like set pieces and rides them up and and people are jumping around. It's it's nuts. And the cars are coming full speed, even though when you see people in them, they're going pretty slow. And and what is the element of this ride? That's going to have a big impact on what's going to happen next. Well, kind of a big impact. It doesn't really change anything. There is a Grim Reaper, a giant Grim Reaper in the path of these cars. And he swings a scythe right in front of your car as it passes by him. Oh, right. And that is an actual sharp blade that slices Chucky's face off. Half of it. Yes. I'm sorry, but they have a swinging giant sharp blade passing in front of these cars. No way in fuck would that ever be a real thing. This place is legit. Even at a carnival. This place is legit. And there are in these craters, which need to like look like they're exploding volcanoes or something. They're fans, but it's not gigantic like small fans. fans. Gigantic sharp bladed fans for no reason there's no reason a blade like that would need to be sharp it pushes air it doesn't cut through it anyway that's going to be important later chucky does the hide the soul he does the the ceremony that he's been trying to do this entire time this voodoo ceremony where yeah with half of his face sliced uh off which i think i've talked about this before but my brother had um a teddy ruxpin oh yes and the eye part came out so, like, when terrifying. he would tell his stories, his little eye would go, eh, 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 eh. and it uh, terrified my brother, so we got rid of him. So that reminded me of that. Did Silva get shot somewhere here? I don't know. Anyway. I got really mad that every time they decided to do a long shot to show Chucky, like, riding, like, for example... At one point, Tyler, like I said, jumps onto a set piece or a prop. It's like a bug or something, and it fl- or a bird, and it flies up to the yes, top. Yes, it's of like that. a pterodactyl or something. Yeah, yeah, of like a, a mountain of skulls, which is where this is all going to take place. And I got really mad that when they did that, that long shot, they decided, you know, what would be a good way to make Chucky look alive. To make his feet go bump, 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 uh-huh. bump. Like they were just going back and forth like they were on a motor. And I was uh-huh. like, again. Well, they were. Yeah. Again. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Like, how unrealistic do you want this to be? As someone who is very afraid of this doll. Yeah. It's got to say something that your movie just does nothing to scare me. But Andy shoots Chucky and blasts his left arm off. So now he's only one-handed. They get into a fight. Something happens, and Andy cuts off his right hand with a knife. And then Chucky falls into one of those giant murder fans that exist for no reason. <laughs> and he gets chopped all up and blown in pieces because it's a fan. <laughs> Everywhere. Wasn't it established in previous movies and this one that he is full of real Charles Lee Ray blood? Where'd all that blood go? Good call. Good call. 
Uh, I guess it's mixed into his plastic skin or something. I don't fucking know. Uh, But this is the third out of three movies where Chucky loses a hand. Oh. It gets shot off in the first one. He tears his own hand off in the second one. And then Andy cuts his hand off in this one because this is like fucking Star Wars or something. (laughs) Someone has to lose an arm. But that's like the end of the movie. Yeah. What next? <laughs> well, apparently, there are dead children. Well, apparently, a month later, Chucky's gonna come back to life and get married. So, yeah, I guess how that fucking happens. It's gonna get more and more convoluted, but at least that's when it starts getting like really fucking bonkers, silly, and they just start having fun with it. I don't know if it's any good. I've never watched any of those, but that's my impression of Chucky starting here. Then my guess then is that this one didn't do well. I imagine it did not. <laughs> what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Is it 36? 23. Hmm. No consensus statement and a Metacritic of 27. Hmm. So 23. The first Child's Play had a 67. You gave it a 70. I gave it a 75. Child's Play 2 had a 44. We both gave it a 60. Just for context, we actually liked the remake more a little yeah. bit. Uh, it had a 64. You gave it a 75. I gave it gave it a 76. There you go. So do you think that 23 is overrated or underrated? I mean, I wasn't going to go that low at first, but now that I've been talking about it, I'm like, God, it was really bad. It is a boring, do-nothing movie. Yeah. It doesn't do anything new or interesting other than the fact that it takes place at a military academy and all that does is just add more annoyances. And it doesn't even care to really try to make it scary. Right. So. Like, this is the point where Chucky is no longer scary, but he's not, like, funny He's yet. not funny either. Yeah. So it's this weird sort of limbo where he's just not entertaining at all. He's the Freddy from the new Freddy movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> not scary and not funny. Why am I watching this? Yeah. I guess maybe that's a little harsh, but I don't know why. Like, I'm right, like, I'm yeah, yeah. Can you think of a reason why I'm it wouldn't struggling be? struggling to come with anything that would make it deserve better. I'll just go with what they gave it, 23. Yeah, I think that, that it's kind of dead on. And it's not that we particularly hated it. It's just that it was like... Just not fun, not scary. It's just a nothing of a movie, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. But yeah, hey, maybe maybe that's good in the long run, getting you used to Chucky. Yeah, maybe. Hey, you got two pretty decent movies. Yeah, good for you. Mm-hmm. That's better than other franchises, right? Yeah, uh huh. Other franchises don't do so well. Yeah, but hopefully you didn't watch it if you weren't already interested in it, and we saved you the grief. <laughs> Even if I was a fan of the franchise, I wouldn't like this movie. Yeah, if, if you're going through and watching all the Child's Play movies, even if that's the context, I think you could just fucking skip it. Yeah. This is so unnecessary. Like, I wrote my Unle- last note here, and I said at the beginning, what a tired and unnecessary movie. Unless this is really necessary for the plot of the next one. Who knows? Right. Oh, well, it's important he gets chopped up into pieces and not melted into a blob. That's important. He learned things at the military academy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe that's one. Uh, Anyway, that is 1991's Child's Play 3 for a classic film. For our modern 
haunted doll movie, we have 2017's Annabelle Creation, prequel to Annabelle, which we enjoyed so, so much. Mm-hmm. Sarcasm. Directed by David F. Sandberg. He was the guy who directed Lights Out and would later go on to direct Shazam. He's He just did short films for YouTube and he did one for Lights Out and then they made a whole movie about it. Kelsey and I are both of the opinion that they never should have done that. It should have just been a short film. Mm-hmm. Trying to explain it all and add all this lore just makes it ridiculous and it's not as good as the short. The so, short's very good. Yeah. Uh, he should have just left it as a short. Yeah, it's a ghost story. It's uh-huh. a story for the campfire. It's not a whole movie. Exactly. This movie, though, is written by Gary Doberman, the same guy who wrote Annabelle. So this movie is based on characters created by him. Uh, and it stars Anthony LaPaglia, Miranda Otto, Lulu Wilson, Talitha or Talitha, Eliana Bateman. What is Annabelle Creation about? The creation of the doll? Which isn't named Annabelle? Not really. Not really. Well, I mean, we find out. It's We find out how the demon came about that is attached to this doll, which is still unclear. Yes, it's from a long, long time ago. And there's a doll maker whose daughter dies. Then a bunch of orphans move into their house 12 years later. And then uh, there's a haunted doll. That's what the movie's about. Is, would you say that's accurate? Yeah. You can get it if you have a subscription to HBO Max, Max Go, DirecTV, or Spectrum. You can rent it for $4 or buy it for 10 Should people watch Annabelle Creation? If you are somehow a fan of Annabelle, then you should absolutely see this because this is so Definitely. much better than that junk. Definitely. If you're not, um, I mean, if you're bored and it's on... Here's the thing. If you're not a fan of Annabelle, this is an otherwise compelling horror movie, like a haunting movie. It's fine. With all this Annabelle stuff crammed in. Yeah. On the on the edges. But I wouldn't even say that even if it weren't for the Annabelle shit, I wouldn't say this is a great movie. Well, but it's fine. You know, like he Sandberg takes the stuff that he is obviously good at, creating like isolated moments. <laughs> Before, it would just be like a one or two things that he would do in his shorts. And he does take things from his shorts and puts them in this movie. But he takes these moments and then, you know, he like he's, they're strewn throughout the film and they're compelling on their own. But they're all wrapped in this sort of Annabelle package unnecessarily. So while there's a lot to really appreciate and enjoy about this, not the least of which is the fact that it's just so much better than the first <laughs> Annabelle movie. It is so much better. There's still stuff to like there. There's stuff that if you're watching this, you might actually enjoy. At the very least, you won't be like mad at the movie. Mm-hmm. I'll say you might be bored, maybe, but you won't be mad at it. Yeah, it is. It's a little boring. But you know what? I don't mind the jump scares. I know lots of people don't like them. I think this does jump scares pretty good. I think it there are a lot okay. of things that actually really surprised me that I was like, oh, this is going to happen. And then it didn't. Just like once or twice, there are things like that. Yeah, I mean, there were some things that, like, once you've done something, you kind of can't do it again. Or, you know, it doesn't seem as cool and genuine and unique the first time you did it. Mm-hmm. And he does that. And it's like, Oh, 
you really subverted my expectations the first time, then you did it again. Uh-huh. And it's not that you did the same thing, but it's that you tried to subvert my expectations in the same way. And that's yeah. irritating. <laughs> I think that there's some really good shots in this movie. Really? Like, I think this movie is well shot. Like, it's well directed and it's well shot. And it has a lot of moments where I really appreciate, like I say, it's patience. There's a few good oneers, including one that's a callback to The Conjuring. Which, again, this is part of The Conjuring universe. <laughs> There's stuff to enjoy. And at the end of this movie, I was like, I didn't hate it. I actually kind of enjoyed myself. Yeah, I mean, there are moments that were really bad. Yes. There are there are very bad moments, but... Uh, yeah, yeah I overall, wouldn't call it a great movie or anything. On the overall, I'd say it's it's okay. Yeah, I'd be a red tomato, I think. Bothered me that... Like, I'm still reeling over the fact that we both liked The Nun. <laughs> and, like, it bothers me... Isn't that me, crazy? Like, it bothers me that The Nun is, like, hinted at throughout this movie. I'm like, stop the nun making it look lame. The it nun wasn't hasn't bad. Happened the nun hasn't happened yet right but you're making it it look lame just the conjuring 2 happened at this point where they introduced the nun that was bad enough i liked the conjuring 2 at least more than you did anyway you can take our advice or leave it when we get back we will talk about 2017's annabelle creation ed and lorraine warren met her in 1971 but her story began long before then on august 11th they found this doll that doll was hidden away witness the creation of evil annabelle creation rated r all right kelsey get us started how does annabelle creation begin with that same opening that they do for every Conjuring movie, it's all the letters. Coming oh, all the all the promo. Yeah, yeah, like Warner Brothers into New Line Cinema, and yeah, uh-huh. everything looks the same because they want you to remember you are here because you like the Conjuring. Well, you like that series. That's why you're here. Well, Kelsey, this is going to be the darkest chapter in the Conjuring universe. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We get a very, according to you, more Chucky 2, but since we just watched Chucky 3, it reminded me of Chucky 3, of like a manufacturing place for dolls. But this is on a much smaller scale, uh-huh. obviously. This is, well, I guess not obviously if you haven't seen the movie, but he is just a, a local businessman who makes dolls. This is Anthony LaPaglia playing Samuel Mullins of the Mullins Toy Company or something like that. He is building the Annabelle doll. He's the one responsible for making it look so creepy by design, which is the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, look, she's not nearly, she's not scary when she's not, you know, all broken and gross and stuff. But she's not exactly a doll I would want either. I wrote down so it was always ugly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also wrote, like you say, we're getting a Chucky intro for the creation of a doll, which I feel like we need to stress this, is never sinister or possessed ever. You you need to understand this, folks. We are three movies into the Annabelle mythos, if you include the intro to The Conjuring. 
And at no time is this doll ever possessed. No. It's just an object. She's just a doll. Yep. Is that a, th- is that a reference to something? And I've had so many dolls. What is that from? It's from Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Mary Magdalene? Yes. Yeah. He's a man. He's just a man. And I've had so many men before. That's what I'm going to say a lot. She's just a doll. That's <laughs> all she is. I wish I knew the other lyrics from that song. I'm going to look them up. But we get a label put on this box that says one of 100. She's limited a dish. And then we get a little poster shot that it's going to be sold at the local market, I guess. Like, how is there a demand for 100 dolls at this tiny little store in this tiny little town? But apparently there is. It's a thing. Doll collectors have to go to particular little towns to get these places. It's a thing. Uh, if you've ever been to um, a very famous town here in California, it's known for apple picking. Uh-huh. I forget what, what it's called. That's where she came from. Uh-huh. From a tiny little town in California. Huge doll store filled with mm-hmm. expensive dolls. It's like and every one of these dolls is like super rare. We're not talking. And you would think, who the fuck ever came here to buy this doll? But that's a thing. You have to travel to get them. Interesting. That's actually really fucking fascinating. To be clear, we are not in a room surrounded by dolls. Kelsey has a couple of these sort of like collector dolls. Yes. From and, her childhood. And two of them are not really collector's items, but... They're cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> we get a note in crayon that oh, says, yeah. find me. So this is a callback to the original Conjuring film where they would receive notes from what they thought was the doll. But it's really the demon mm-hmm. uh, drawn in crayon. If you remember, it says, miss me. And then they find the doll has like a crayon in its hand and then there's words written all over the wall and trying to be creepy. But you're told in The Conjuring, no, that was just the demon messing with you, making you think it's the doll. Just imagine the demon. (laughs) This is really going to fuck with him. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And the reason, so this movie is now telling us that the reason that it does that is because a little girl named Annabelle who's going to die in this movie. I'm sorry, a little girl named B. Kelsey, you're B is spoiling for Annabelle, it. Yes. You're spoiling it. B is for Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she would write notes to her dad telling him to come and find her. Yeah, they were playing like hide and seek. Hey, just like in Chucky 3. Yeah. The biggest problem with this movie, I would say its biggest downfall, is that it needs to insert itself into the Annabelle mythos. Just like Ouija, Origin of Evil? Exactly. These sort of prequel movies that are actually not bad. And the worst part is the ways that it needs to contort itself to, you know. It's like somebody wanted to make a really good movie and they were forced to include things that they didn't want to include. But so she leaves a note that says, find me. And it's really cute because later he'll leave a note that says, found you. Even though he doesn't like 
say, oh, I found you. Oh, it's so cute. He leaves a little note and he she has to come note. out to get it. Uh, yes, and it says found you. And it's then he grabs so her. It's so fucking cute. It is really, really cute. And we find out that she loves the song You Are My Sunshine. Fuck this movie for trying to make that song creepy. <laughs> That's ours. <laughs> I call Kelsey my sunshine all the time. Yes. But so that will become important. As Chris said, they're going to try and make that a creepy song so that <sighs> she's going to play it a lot. Yeah. Even though it's not really her. It, this is very much a Pet Cemetery movie, but only because it has to be for it to fit into what they've already created in The mm. Conjuring and Annabelle. So the explanation for everything is all very kind of if you... If you just scratch at it a little bit, it will fall apart. Uh-huh. But it's there. Yep. It's weekly there. Uh-huh. But so, very much like in... The Wicker Man? The Wicker Man remake gave me major Wicker Man remake uh-huh. vibes. The little girl, Annabelle, who we know is B at this point, runs out into the middle of the road to grab... A what is it? A it's a bolt? lug nut. It's a lug nut. A lug nut. Because her dad's changing a tire on their on their car. And what is this? Like the This is the 40s? Or is it the 30s because then 12 years pass and then the rest of the movie takes place in the 40s? I thought the movie took place in the 60s. Like the car is like from the 30s. It's set in 1955. So this is the 40s where we see this take place. 1943, then, if the math is right. Yes. So, yeah, she gets uh, she gets hit by a car. We should also probably mention that B's mom is Eowyn. <laughs> Miranda Otto. Yes, she is. That's true. So, yes, she gets hit by this car. We get a 12, 12 years later year timestamp. Time uh-huh. Oh, yeah, no, we do know because something at the end of the movie happens 12 years later again. And it's like there's going to be a time cycle thing, which seems unnecessary. It's very it. Yeah. uh But so we find out about these orphan girls who are going to move into their new orphanage, but they make it very clear that they have nowhere else to go. Yes. The Mullins have invited these young women to stay with them. Which is absolutely ridiculous when you find out what has happened in this home. Right. Why they would do that? Why would you invite children uh-huh. after you've done what you've done? Like, I understand it needs to have happened in order for the movie to happen, but it is nonsense. I do understand why they would want, like, oh, young girls in the home because they lost their young girl. Yes, but you've also invited a demon into the house. Who you think is the actual devil. Yes. They think they have the actual literal devil in their house, and they're like, here's a good idea. Let's bring in some little kids. Yeah. Now, we're spoiling something a little bit here, but the movie thinks that it's this big twist that the Mullins invited this demon into the home so they could see their child again, but... It's, you could see it coming from a mile away. Yeah, it could You know be right obvious. away what happened. Here's the thing. We watched a review about how obvious this movie is, and it is. But I don't have a problem no. with certain things being obvious. Cause it, but they, they set it up like it's going to be a twist, and that's the problem. Yeah, Like, I guess. If, if it is so obvious, don't try to what a twist us. So we're introduced to our main two girls. Linda, played by Lulu Wilson, and Janice, played by Talitha Bateman? Talitha? 
Eliana. Yeah, and it's weird because I thought that the girl who played Janice was way better than the other girl in mm-hmm. this, and yet the other girl was great in Ouija Origin of Evil. Yeah, uh-huh. Was this before or after that? I think after, but I might be wrong. This Let was after that? Let me see. That's surprising. Yeah, because she's younger. I thought she was better in that. Yeah, Origin of Evil was the year prior. But one of these girls, well, first of all, they're playing with a cootie catcher to read their fortunes, Oh, which is cute. I never called it that. They were always called cootie catchers growing up. We didn't call them that. I don't know why, but they were. They promise to always stick together. And I think the idea, like your first implication is supposed to be that Janice is making a concession for Linda, you know, because it seems like. Linda's the one that would be unwanted for what it seems like the movie's trying to present that. But then immediately afterwards, you find out that Janice was afflicted by polio and she can't walk without a cane, mm-hmm. without one of those uh, forearm crutches. Yeah. And she's got a brace around her leg. Yeah. Uh huh. I thought both of these girls were great. I thought they did a fantastic job. I was very surprised by how good Janice was. I thought Janice was very good. Yeah. When they get to the orphanage, it's supposed to be, you know, the biggest house they've ever seen, which is fine, but the music that they played seemed really out of place, especially when you're also trying to set up this place as a creepy setting, but they're marveling at it, and I guess that's supposed to be a juxtaposition, they're marveling at this scary place, but then have the music be scary. Right. It's, it's, it was odd. But importantly, do you remember when they moved into the house at the beginning of Conjuring? Oh, was it the exact same song? No. I, well, maybe. I don't know, but I don't think so. My point is... They were marveling at they how They were marveling the at how awesome too. the house was in the form of a big tracking one-er shot taking them all throughout the layout of the house. And, and the same exact thing happens here. Just, yeah. yeah uh-huh. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. We find out that, because, of course, the nun... Oh, have we talked about the nun? They're with a nun. We haven't. No. <laughs> they're with a nun named Sister Charlotte. Who is going to be a very, very weak connection to The Nun. Yeah. The movie, which hasn't come out yet by the time this movie came out. Yes. Uh, They absolutely wanted you to know, hey, we're making another movie. We're making another movie. Come and see it. Yeah. Come and see it. There are four other little girls as well that we haven't mentioned in addition to Janice and Linda, who appear to be the youngest. There's Tierney, who I think is the next youngest. Uh, Kate... And then Nancy and Carol, who are the older teenager ones. Who will be set up for stupid-ass jump scares that lead nowhere. So, like I said, the nun is going to say, you know, obviously, little girl with polio can't go up the stairs. Yeah. And LaPaglia is like... He looks annoyed at first. Yeah. Well, I think it's because we're supposed to be like, oh, man, is he this stern man who doesn't like to be bothered or have to deal with things? He wants things a particular way. No, he loves kids, but he reveals one of these elevator chairs that are on stairways, like in Gremlins, uh, that she can use to get up. And they reveal a couple things about it. One is the fact that you can call it from either location by hitting a button on the wall, but you also control it on the actual chair itself, but the controls on the chair only work if the seatbelt is plugged in, like connected, right? So 
they do practically nothing with this except for the fact that they trap her in the chair once. And yeah, the fact that it won't turn on without the seatbelt clicked in, you think that's going to be a big deal. And for a moment it is. But then she ends up getting it to work. But then the ghost just takes it over anyway. But like, yeah. Do you do you remember when seatbelt laws were enacted? Was that the 80s? In California, it was 1986, but they didn't start enforcing it until 93. And of course, federally, back in the 60s, they all had to have seatbelts, right? But cars around this time would start beeping at you if they could sense that somebody was in a seat and the seatbelt wasn't connected. And back then, because people do this fucking shit, they're like, fuck you, you can't tell me what to do, even though it is for my own safety. I'm I'm going to go out of my way to not have to do this thing that's in everyone's best interest. <laughs> they would just plug it in and then sit outside of the seatbelt. Yeah. Never fucking even attempted in this. Yeah. Yeah. It's used for two good things right here, the very first time they use it. Janice feels, like, included. She feels like she can participate. She doesn't have to sleep downstairs and keep separate from all the other girls. Yes, but what I was going to talk about was the visuals. When she gets up to the top of the stairs... You can see behind her, and this is important. So oh, they're yes. going to set uh-huh. up that there is like a frame here where she's on the left side of the screen, and to the right of her there is some. There are some arches, some doorways, and you can just see somebody running across the the floor. You can just see their feet, and it's like they're wearing a white nightgown. I don't know who that's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be B. That's not what B's wearing later, I don't think. It's more like what the mom is wearing, but the mom's downstairs, and we yeah. know that the mom can't get upstairs. Yeah. So maybe maybe B's wearing that at some point. I don't know. I don't know. But it's a cool visual. Uh-huh. There's only one other thing they're going to do with this, and it takes them for... They spend a lot of time on it. They spend a lot of time on it just to get her up there, and then she'll be in the black frame. Now, at this point in the film... The ghost has taken over the thing. Like I said, it doesn't matter that she can control it or not, because the ghost just takes it over anyway. Right, but my point is she doesn't have to be fucking strapped in to attempt to use it. Right, but she doesn't do that. She right, that's my point. puts it on, but it doesn't matter, because what will happen is she'll get up to the top of the frame. Again, she'll be on the left-hand side. You know that already they've established that there is this right-hand side. So you're thinking something's going to come from the right, and it's going to grab her. And it subverts your expectations in that she ends up getting grabbed from above. Uh-huh. Which is cool. Uh-huh. But then she's just dropped. Yeah. And it doesn't lead to anything. Like, it's a really cool... They really did. They made me think it was going to come from the right. They didn't do that. They pulled from above. Yeah. That was cool. Then Set drop her. Mm-hmm. And she's... Yeah, now she's in a wheelchair, but she's that's, still fine. That's one of the biggest problems with haunting movies and possession movies is that they have to explain why things sort of progress upwards smoothly and slowly. There's no inherent reason why the demon would need to do any of this stuff. Like, why would the demon yank her out of the chair just to drop her and break her legs when later on in the movie he just straight up possesses her? Like, why didn't you do that when you had her at that time? Well, because this forces her into the chair, which is how they're able to trap her later. Yeah, but he has her now. 
because she can't. I know, absolutely, 100%. It is a convoluted plan. But they because did these this. movies have to explain why it follows the 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 rising tension of a film, you know, and when inherently there is no reason why any sort of ghost or demon would do that. Well, it's so that they could do a really creepy shot of her in a wheelchair being wheeled into yes. the barn. But the problem is, yes, that's a creepy shot. The problem is, if I haven't seen The Nun, which, remember, hasn't come out yet, I don't know who that's supposed to be. Because I can only see their feet. I don't think it is the nun. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the I nun. I don't think it's the nun. The nun, yeah. Then who is it supposed to be? I don't know. But what's upsetting about this is, yes, it's a great shot. Unfortunately, right off to the side are a whole other group of girls that yes. don't hear this girl screaming her head off. Well, we're, we're getting way, we've, we've jumped three, four times to different scenes right now. We She's just riding on the chair up the stairs. We just see something in the background. My point is, uh -huh. this movie is filled with good visuals. Yes. Good shots. Moments that, that are great. That don't work with the rest of the film. That could be short films on their own because yeah. that's what this guy does and he does it well. Yeah. But, yeah, it doesn't – but, again, part of that, like I say, is problems with the nature of haunting movies in general. But anyway, the girls pick their rooms, the two oldest – there's a room with four beds, and the two oldest claim that one with the other two girls that aren't our two girls. Linda's like, well, where are Janice and I supposed to sleep? And they're like, I don't fucking give a shit. There's another room where there is a bunk bed where they sleep. Yes, and – it's funny because they, they like they make these girls to be these bullies. But yeah. they're totally like they say words like neat. This is so neat. Like they they don't seem like bullies well, at all. Well and they read like teen magazines and stuff like that in the fifties. Yeah. Which yeah, okay. I wrote down that's oh. So when they go to see their room with the bunk beds, it's his old like it's filled with old dolls that he didn't uh -huh. finish. And I'm like, why would anyone not think that that was creepy? The innocence of children, Kelsey. <laughs> Him. Why wouldn't he think? Maybe it's a little bit creepy to just have doll parts hanging around uh -huh. where children are going to sleep. We also learned, though, that B's room is up here and it's locked and it stays locked. Yes. Which it doesn't. Well, it will become as unlocked. As, as far as... And Anthony we have Lepocky no reason as to why. Because according to the movie, the doll. It's not the doll, it's the demon. I it's just a doll. <laughs> and I've had so but again, many dolls. It's not like they do nothing with the doll in this movie. They do like it just sits around, basically. But the demon is supposed to be tied to the doll, as we discussed with Annabelle. Oh, yeah, I can't get... It's like a reverse restraining order. So the doll is supposed to be locked up in this closet, very similar to what they do to it in The Conjuring. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's been blessed or whatever. And the inside of this closet is peppered with pages of the Bible. But I guess because in The Conjuring, they have a priest come every week, and these people didn't do that. It didn't hold. It's every month in The Conjuring. Oh. But still, yes, they have regular visits from a priest to bless all the stuff in their room. But I guess if you don't do that, if you don't keep re-blessing it, the blessing will eventually disintegrate. Right, because <laughs> the doll will be blessed at the end of this movie, and then eventually come back. Yes. 
You, you gotta just, keep doing it. The blessing it, needs to be refreshed. The blessing is a subscription service. Yes. Subscribe now for $7.99 a month. Mm-hmm. But for $14.99 a month, you get your blessings in HD. <laughs> so because of that, the devil will be able to come out and do whatever the it once and you're left wondering then why does he need the doll to come out at all <laughs> yes because uh-huh. because that's why you came right because that's why you came the point kelsey's making is that this this door will unlock on its own and other things are going to happen all while annabelle the doll <laughs> is locked in this holy closet and can't get out on its own so it needs somebody to unlock it but if it needed somebody to unlock it, then how did it do all the stuff outside of the closet? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. These movies are full of holes like this. And this movie will make a big deal, just like the other one did, about the fact that, you know, it needs a soul, it needs a body to do things. But it clearly doesn't. Right. Because it does plenty of shit while it's in the body. Like, so while, it has all these the abilities yeah, to uh-huh. do things while it's inside the I'm so confused. Yes. But... It doesn't mean that these moments aren't creepy and effective. It's just if you think about it for longer than two seconds, it kind of makes you go, uh, oh, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. There's a dumb waiter. Yes, because of course there's a dumb waiter. They're in every horror movie. <laughs> However, number one, it makes sense that there would be a dumb waiter because there's a woman who can't get up and down the stairs. But number two, the location of this dumb waiter doesn't make any fucking sense. It never goes to the kitchen. Like, then what the fuck is the point of the dumbwaiter? It only seems to go between the master bedroom and... And Is it the school room? The room where they end up teaching? Maybe that's the dining room. Maybe that's why. It's through the dining room originally. No, because the this ha- this happens to the nun who's in the master bedroom. That's where she's going to sleep. Yeah. And it makes sense that it would go to the master bedroom because that's where the wife used to be. But it goes up to the locked little girl's room, which if you remember, they Is installed this. Is this the girl's room? Yes. They installed this after the little girl died. Why would they have it go up to the little girl's room? I don't remember it being specifically in the little girl's room, but yes, I do. Because that's where she, that's where Janice or will Linda. terrifyingly do it to Linda when she's in the dumbwaiter. Upon closer inspection, it appears that the dumbwaiter goes to the room Charlotte is staying in upstairs, which I suppose used to be the master bedroom, down to the room that Mrs. Mullins is staying in. That's where Linda goes down and gets attacked by the demon. So it still doesn't make any functional sense. I do not remember that whatsoever, that it, for the purpose of the story or whatever reason needed to be in the little girl's room, I just remember it being upstairs, but it goes downstairs to a place that doesn't make any sense why it would be there. But whatever, that's fine. They still do something actually kind of fun and clever with the dumbwaiter. But again, just one thing. This movie is full of, we're going to show you a thing, and then that thing is going to have a moment once later on. Yes, but the way that they introduce it is really stupid. They make it seem like the dumbwaiter is haunted. It it flaps open. Yeah. And the nun is all terrified of it. And she tells LaPaglia. And he's like, I don't know why it's doing that shit. Oh, yeah. That's and then weird. He, he fixes it. And then the fixing it doesn't have any impact to what happens in the story later. Yes. So, yeah. None of this Why are we wasting time on this? Yeah. Because uh-huh. they need you to know that it's there. Uh-huh. And not be surprised when you see it later. So, Janice 
is quote-unquote left behind, though not really because Linda was willing to stay with her, and she made Linda feel bad about wanting to stay with her. So Linda's like, all right, peace, I'll go have fun outside. I told you not to treat me any differently, and she's like, okay, and she runs off, and then Janice is like, oh, I didn't really mean for you to not treat me any differently. (laughs) Yeah, so while she's stuck in this room, and something will walk towards her menacingly, knock over her crutch, but then disappear. And I guess this is supposed to be like, Chris said, every haunting has to have a ramp up. Yeah. Every haunting story has to. But this feels like just a jump scare that doesn't lead to anything. That night at dinner, Carol, one of the teenage girls, will look in on Mrs. Mullins. Which you're not supposed to do, because Mrs. Mullins, she stays in her room, she has a canopy around, she has, like, a mask on, and, like, a lot of this is built up to make you think that Mrs. Mullins is evil in some way, or she's gonna be scary in some way, but she's absolutely not. Well, you're supposed to get a general sense of creepiness and dread, I guess. It doesn't make any sense that he is so hardcore about nobody going into Mrs. Mullins' room. There's two rooms where you can't go. It's Mrs. Mullins' room and it's B's old room, right? B's old room stays locked. Mrs. Mullins' room, she never comes out of that room. And yet she will call for him a lot in times when it's like, well, did you want somebody to see you or did you want somebody else to well, come Well, but in? that's my point. When Charlotte, the sister, when she goes in there later, you know, Mrs. Mullins isn't like, what the fuck are you doing in here? Get out of here. She's just like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. You know, why else would she have a mask on if she wasn't intending to see people? Yeah. So the fact that he's like, nobody goes into this room is a little bit weird, but I feel like it was an intensity that's unnecessary, but they need to be like, ooh, there's something sinister going yeah, on here. Yeah, they're trying to create yeah. mood, but it just doesn't work with what's right. happening in the story. Right. That night, Janice will get a note that says, find me. Yes. So again, a call back to B from the uh-huh. beginning. And she'll get another note that says, in here, into the bedroom that was previously locked, which again doesn't make any sense. I thought that the devil was stuck inside, but I guess not. Uh She says, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned, because they are always- I'm about to sin, I think is what she says, or I'm going to sin. Yeah. That's not how forgiveness works. (laughs) But I mean, you know, it is very much like a little kid who's raised in the church to feel this way. Everything you do is a sin. yeah. Everything. I mean, it's the 50s in this rural place. It's very religious. Everyone goes to church. They say grace. Or not even grace. I think they just full on pray before every meal. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so she goes into B's old room, which is magically unlocked. There is a giant dollhouse that lights up. There's no reason to have a light a, a giant dollhouse other than the fact that it's supposed to be creepy. Well, it's kind of a replica of the house. Is it? I, well, I didn't look specifically at the layout, but the important thing is that there is a doll wearing what doesn't it's not the Annabelle doll, but it's like a human. It looks like Annabelle. It's a human, but it has like the the apparel, you know, like a white dress with red trim or whatever, right? And then there's a closet against the wall in this dollhouse that she opens up and finds the key to the closet in the room in the same location. So it's like there's some sort of correlation between the dollhouse and eh. But this is other than the fact that the dollhouse light turns on later. 
the dollhouse is never going to enter into it again. Again, like we're saying, it's just these punctuated moments throughout the movie, which are very compelling, but they don't really create a cohesive piece of art. Yeah, somebody somebody had these shots in their mind and they yes. wanted them, but they didn't care how they fit together. Exactly. She opens the door. She sees the doll. She is immediately, something. something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. Uh-huh. So she closes the door and walks away. Chris points out, she unlocked the door. Door comes open. She rushes back, locks it, opens again. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, you've unleashed the already unleashed right. devil. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So then, just like in Poltergeist, she throws a sheet over the doll because it scares her. Just like the jacket over the clown doll in Poltergeist, yeah. And this is a very cool shot. It's very cool. I really liked this. <laughs> She's thrown the sheet over the doll, and then suddenly the doll gets up as a human under the sheet and walks towards her. Very, very cool. As it's walking, uh, because Janice is, like, looking out the window or something, as it's walking towards her, it's, like, stepping on the sheet in front of it. And so it's pulling the sheet down, and right as it gets close to Janice and she turns around and sees it, it comes all the way down, and there's nothing. Now, this was used in one of the director's shorts before. So, like, it's, you know, these are great ideas that he wants to put in his, you know, feature film, not debut, his sophomore feature film. Here's the problem. Uh Uh-huh. The doll's not there anymore. Where the hell did the doll go? Yeah. That's That's the weird... It's been unleashed. Who knows where it is now? Also, the frame was just a person... Okay. Yes, it wasn't. Does it make like any sense? Doll. It's not a. It's not a little girl. It's uh-huh. not a demon. It's not a doll. It's, it's just a big. person. Yes. Cool shot. Didn't work with the rest of your movie. Yes, it doesn't fit. And that's that's again the biggest problem with the movie. But Lapaglia looks up and sees her for some reason. Well, he's he outside. looks up. We don't know that he sees her. <laughs> he, he, he looks up and like there's something wrong up there, and she notices that, and he starts to run inside. So she freaks out. She runs out, and as soon as she gets out of the door, I loved this shot, too. Loved this shot. Also because it subverts expectations of what you know is going to happen. Oh, she's going to get caught, and she's going to say, oh, there was a crazy doll, or whatever, and then no one's going to believe her, and then she's going to get in trouble, and it's going to be that fucking bullshit all over again, right? But no, she runs outside the room. We see LaPaglia with his lamp casting a shadow against the stairwell, and he's going to head upstairs. And so she's like, shit, I got to turn around and close the door. And how am I even going to lock this thing? And she turns around and the door's already closed and locked. I fucking loved that. She goes into her room, jumps into her bed, curls up to pretend like she's not moving. And when LaPaglia comes in to check, her crutch falls over. And he's like, hmm. But he didn't catch anybody doing anything, and the door was locked. Because the point is, is that the devil doesn't want him to know that she yes. was in there. That see that I appreciated that. I like that. It's different. It w- if she had told him what happened, right. The rest of the movie wouldn't have happened, <laughs> or at least not in the same way. Yes. But I was really frustrated that after that, and remember, we don't know that yet. We don't find out till later that he is fully aware of what's going on in his house. Uh-huh. So at this moment, we're supposed to be freaked out. Oh, thank God he didn't catch her. But really, later we're going to find out, oh, he should have caught her. But in this moment, what do they decide to do to punctuate this fear? Do you remember? 
they decide that, remember, it's a Conjuring movie. And what do we do in every Conjuring movie? We gotta have an upside down cross. We've got to. It's got to be in the film. right. But here's the thing. In this movie, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to turn the camera. Yes. We're just going to turn the Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So in in Annabelle's closet, in addition to all the Bible pages, there's a cross hanging there. And so then the camera pushes in on the cross in the open closet. And then the camera flips upside down. And now the cross is upside down. Are you scared yet? No, I'm not. I'm not (laughs) afraid of a camera that's been turned upside down. Also, why is this in this movie except for the fact that you want me to remember that it's a conjuring movie? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, and did you know that there are crosses in the screen door at the beginning of the house and some of them are right side up and some of them are upside down? Yeah, I don't give a shit. That's not compelling set design for me. So anyway, nothing happens with that because nothing did happen in the movie. It was just the camera decided to move. Uh So the next day, the girls are outside again. Poor Janice is stuck inside. Although I don't get why. She has the chair. There's a, the, the chair exists. Like, I don't get why she just doesn't go downstairs with the girls ever. Yeah. Linda is with the rest of the girls. And she says, come on, guys, let's play a game. And the girls are like, we don't want to play a game. But she somehow believes them when they say, fine, play hide and seek. You go hide. Yeah. Like, she, like I wrote she's down, like, okay. is, she, is she stupid? Yeah, I think she might be a little dull. She might be a little dim. But so she goes to hide, and the rest of the girls are not, and they see a scarecrow, a creepy scarecrow. And I was just like, well, that scarecrow is going to come back. It's the stupidest fucking thing. There's no reason for the scarecrow to be here. There's no reason for them to be scared of the scarecrow. It's just the movie needed things to happen, and it needed another sort of iconic visual. Now, again, I will give it this. He is a creepy visual. And the scene with him being scary is well done. Where he, like, fills up. With a real body or it's whatever. Yeah. well done. But it doesn't make sense with the rest of the film. Again, our blanket complaint about the entire movie. I was happy that in the moment you called this out. Because I was thinking the exact same thing. I thought you'd disagree with me because you liked the crooked man. To an extent. But he felt very much like a crooked man. It yeah. was just, Unnecessary, hey, let's have this extra, other thing that has yeah. nothing to do with the rest of the story. Just to have a scary moment. It's almost like they're testing things out to see if they can get their own movie. It's what they did with Annabelle. It's what they did with The Nun. And guess what? The Crooked Man's getting his own movie. So maybe the Scarecrow can get his own movie. Probably what they were going for. You're absolutely right. But so, Linda goes and hides in this, like room under the stairs, which I thought was going to be way more important than it was. Oh, yeah. This is the only time it it ever matters. So she goes under there. She's waiting. And the doll is there. I'm wondering why. Well, because it disappeared earlier, remember? (laughs) (laughs) Had to go somewhere. Went there, apparently. And the demon is standing there in the darkness. But apparently he just does. He just wants to scare her. Because then he, like, sinks into the darkness. Yeah, he's like, you can't have this doll. The doll's mine. And yes. she freaks out and she falls out. But I do want to comment on something here. Sandberg, like we said, did Lights Out. And he does something here with darkness that... <laughs> the darkness. <laughs> he does something here with darkness that I think is interesting. 
he doesn't do that thing where things are are so dark that you can't see and you can't figure out are you supposed to be seeing something? No. When he uses darkness, it is black. It is solid black. It is an empty void. It is nothing. It might as well be fucking eternity in there. Like the infinite amount of space that's in the darkness. Nothing is ever said about it, but it gives you that sort of sensation, that feeling. And I think that's much more compelling with what a lot of movies normally do with the dark, which is just, I can't see anything. So I'm supposed to be scared. It's like the darkness itself is almost what's so terrifying. So when he grabs the doll or he just takes the doll and pulls it backwards, it seems like it goes backwards off into nothingness, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, the closet's only so big. Mm -hmm. So he basically every moment where it's supposed to like, you know, a room is dark and you can't see anything is just literally black, like Pantone, deepest black. Did he write this movie? No, Pantone. Because it certainly feels like he wrote it just to put all of have his, his little moments. Well, I'm sure he had together. input in it. This is written by Gary Doberman, who's the same guy who made Annabelle, who wrote Annabelle. While inside, Janice has a confessional with Charlotte, sister Charlotte who shouldn't be able to administer a confession, but whatever. And there's a oneer here as well. You know how much I fucking love those that kind of transfers between the two of them. It, as it rotates around them, as uh, she has her, her confession that she went in the room. She wasn't supposed to go to. It's around this time that we see the picture of her at the, the Abbey in Romania, which is when Lapaglia is like, who's that? And it's the nun. And she was like, oh, I don't remember her ever being there. That was taken in Romania at a convent of cloister nuns. They have little contact with the outside world, but I became very close to these three. Who's this? I don't know. I don't think I even met her. That night, the teenage girls will stay up under a sheet with a flashlight, and they're telling ghost stories about Mrs. Mullins. Which ends up causing them to have a run-in with this Mrs. Mullins character that they have created, even though this person does not actually exist. No. So it's the demon just trying to fuck with them based on the stories that they're telling. And we will never see this version of the ghost Mrs. Mullins ever, ever again. Yeah. That said, I fucking loved this. It was creepy. The ringing of the bell. They hear the bell ringing. They're talking about Mrs. Mullins and they hear the bell ringing off in the distance. And then they hear it in the same room. And then they see a shadow through the sheet that they're in. And it's the bell ringing is getting louder and the shadows creeping closer. And it's effective. And then there's because they like hide under the sheets, you know, at some point. And they're not just telling ghost stories. Now they're just trying to hide. And you think everything's calmed down. And then some weird faced nothing that never appears ever again in the movie, completely different from the thing that is ringing the bell, like reaches in and grabs them. And then everyone's like, what's going on? The lights turn on. Yeah, and as they scream yeah, and everybody uh, comes in, there's like, what's going on? It's like, there was a ghost, but now it's not here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you're like, that was good, but it has nothing to do with the story. Uh-huh. And the next day, Nancy wants to talk about it, but the other one is like, nah, fuck that shit. We made it up. <laughs> which right. you did. Which you did. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, so then LaPaglia has to like leave or something. So then... Mr. Mrs. Mullins is like ringing her bell, ring-a-ding-ding. Sister Charlotte, my husband ain't here. You're now my servant. But she's really nice about it. It's weird. Yeah. 
she has this it, it there's a there are a lot of crosses right like we said there is this sort of like cross outline window to the outside and so when the light shines in it's got these sort of god rays in the shape of a cross which is interesting visually at least a lot more than all the other crosses in the movie well later it'll make it clear what room we're looking at at one point that's how it signifies where they are. Oh, yeah. You know right away what room you're in when you yes. see that. Yes. Okay. It was interesting, though, because she's like, Sister Charlotte, can I tra- trouble you for a glass of water? She gives it to her, and she ends up telling her about her dead daughter, and she's like, well, I hope you find comfort in the fact that she waits for you in heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Mrs. Mullen says, if only that were true. <laughs> Yeah. Or that's not true or something like that. Or that something, the implication that they're not going to see her again or something like that. Maybe because they... They ain't going, going to, to heaven yeah, when uh-huh. they die. Something like that. I am very sorry to hear about your daughter. But we find comfort in knowing she waits for you in heaven. I wish that were true. Janice, who is often left alone because of her leg situation... I guess just takes it upon herself to steal the picture of B sitting with the doll. And I don't know why she would do that. I'm, she just literally takes it off the wall. And I'm like, I don't know how you think no one's going to notice that you did that. Well, I think she's more intrigued by the concept of this doll. Well, when she puts it under her covers to, to hide it, she notices that B's eyes glow. Uh-huh. Just like the demon's eyes that we've been seeing. Oh, and this is when the song... You Are My Sunshine starts to play, which is why she goes into B's room again. Uh-huh. And when she goes in there, the doll is sitting up on the bed. But for some reason, this isn't enough to scare Janice away, and she starts to investigate. And apparently Linda has followed her into the room. And Linda finds this little toy where it's like a, it's a pop gun. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. With a string attached so you don't lose the ball. Uh-huh. And it's really funny. She's playing with it. She accidentally hits the doll in the face. Yes. That was funny. Yeah, fuck this doll. <laughs> which I Just guess... Disrespect. Which I guess disrespects the demon. So he turns the doll's head. But remember, it's just... A doll. It's just a doll. So what needed to have happened is this demon that literally cannot, is incapable of inhabiting this doll, grabs the doll's head and turns it so the doll is to looking fuck at with her. this little girl yeah. for disrespecting the doll that it's not in. Yes. Hey, hey you don't fuck with Annabelle. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to get it. <laughs> That's when... Linda gets freaked out and leaves, but for some reason Janice is not freaked out by this and stays, which doesn't make a lot of sense. She finds the diary of B, or the actual Annabelle, and she's reading through the fucking diary, and it comes to a blank spot, and she starts flipping through the blank spots, and then at one point it says, Dear Diary, I came home today, which does not make any sense with what they tell us actually happened. Because she doesn't come back as a real little girl. She comes back as a ghostly spirit that they sometimes see. That then she right. convinces them, you need to let me into the doll. So why right. would no... there be a physical doll, a physical girl writing in a diary? As if she's a real little girl. Yes, exactly. She was never the actual Annabelle. 
It's Pet Cemetery, baby. Exactly. So could you imagine Gage? Okay, maybe he's a little bit too young, but could you imagine Gage, <laughs> the zombie Gage? Writing you know, dear diary. <laughs> <laughs> this will really creep a little kid out later. Yeah, 12 years from now. <laughs> and then we get hand puppets that come to life. Oh, so scary. These sort of like Punch and Judy puppets. Which, you know, I thought that was interesting. They haven't really done anything with those puppets in this franchise before. And so. then they do nothing with but them here. Exactly. It's a little disappointing. <laughs> She's like, I got you. She grabs them. There's, there's nothing no there. there's no hand inside. They were animating on their own. This is when she finally sees B. Yes. B has manifested and is tapping at a window. Uh-huh. And Janice, very timidly, says, hi. Uh-huh. Hi. And she responds and she asks, B asks her, will you help me? And she's like, what do you need? And do you remember what the response is? Your soul. Your soul. We get that same moment with that same stupid fucking face. (laughs) I hate that face. It is not scary at all. Do you remember when the priest did it in the first Annabelle movie? I think it was the priest, right? May God have mercy on your soul. Your soul. Which made no sense at the time. Uh-huh. Why would a demon say that? Yeah, no, totally. Like, the worst effect in the entire movie is this fucking face. <laughs> That's when she runs to the stairs. Okay, yes. Okay, so we're having our stairs moment now. She gets in the seat. It doesn't move, so she seat belts herself in. She buckles the safety belt. And then it starts to go down, and then it stops, and it starts to bring her back up. And at the top of the stairs is just darkness, right? Again, this this concept of infinite nothingness is at the top of the stairs. And she wants to get out, and she can't get out of the seatbelt. So she grabs onto the newel post halfway up the stairs (laughs) and then rips it off. Fix the newel post. Fix the newel post. Fix the newel post. Which is fucking, I loved that moment, just so so we could say that. (laughs) And then she gets to the very top, and she she is, I think she's able to unbuckle the seatbelt, right? But she's stopped. There's no motion, no noise. And then she just gets yanked upwards. And like you say, that's a great sort of setup and subversion where you're not expecting that. And you're like, oh... Janice has been taken. We'll never see Janice again. No, she just immediately gets dropped all, you know, two or three stories down and breaks her other leg. Which, like we said, is so that now she's stuck in the chair so that she can be set up for a trap inside the barn, even though... The demon has her now! has Has her right now! Anyway... So Lapaglia goes to his wife and he's like, uh, what if that wasn't a accident? Yeah, maybe this was a bad idea. You know, because we, you know, summoned the devil 12 years ago. Mrs. Mullen says, yes, it's been quiet for 12 years. Yeah, so she's like, it was an accident. Accidents happen. Mm-hmm. What? You got half your face ripped off and you're going to say this was an accident? Yeah. Yes, accidents do happen. <laughs> That's from Phantom of the Opera. But until this stops happening, this do not happen. So yeah, now she needs to sleep on the couch downstairs. And so now Linda and Janice are going to be sort of like isolated from each other at night. Yes. But this is the moment where the movie kind of switches protagonists. 
our protagonist isn't going to be Janice for very much longer. It's going to be Linda for like the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that night is going to be the first night that they are separated while they sleep. And they exchange dolls and it's cute and stupid. And this time Linda goes upstairs and she sees the doll, which everyone knows to be Annabelle, but it's not. She sees the doll being rocked in a chair. Now, if you remember from Annabelle, this happens. Right, and we commented on how, like, is the demon rocking the doll? But at the very least, in this version, someone sees it fucking happen. And at least this, for her, reinstates, "Uh uh-oh, it's the doll I should be frightened of. She thinks it's the doll. She does not understand that there is an actual demon that's rocking this doll. So, like, at least it makes sense in this one. It didn't make sense in the yes, other one. Uh-huh. But something happens with a string, and she's holding oh, on to that the, string. It's the pop gun. Ah, uh, yes. She's firing the pop gun because into she's so the freaked out or whatever. Because she's yeah. so freaked out from seeing the doll being rocked. So, yeah, so she's popping the pop gun because she's afraid, and it ends up not coming back at one point. Yeah. The string gets grabbed. It gets pulled taut, Yes, right? uh-huh. And then it starts to go up. Yes. And she suddenly realizes, oh, God, oh, I love that. I'm not dealing with a doll anymore. I'm dealing with something that's huge. I really liked that. I thought that was compelling visually. Oh, no, Linda, there's something here to be absolutely terrified of, and it's more terrifying than you originally thought. So she races back into her room, jumps into the top bunk of the bed, and hides under the covers. Oh, God damn it. Now, this is a good scene. I thought this was well done. I didn't like it at all, but Does it make sense? Go ahead. No! Uh Uh, So she jumps into the top bunk of the bed, freaked out. And she can hear something coming down the the hallway, and it's running. Yes. And that's very scary. Oh, yeah. The disembodied thump, 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 thump that the movie does a couple times is really good. Is really good. And it jumps into the bed, and she knows it does. But it's the bottom bunk. The bottom bunk. And this is really well done, and the girl looks petrified. Uh Uh-huh. And she slowly creeps over to the side to look over down the edge on the wall In between side. the bed and the wall, yeah. Uh-huh. And she sees the doll Annabelle staring up staring at her. Staring at her, which again- It's really good. Yes, but again- She's the, just the, a doll. Yes, the doll is not possessed. <laughs> it's just a doll. And that means that the, the demon is like, oh man, this is really gonna fuck with her head. No, 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 what no. What if no. I move the- No, because they explain it. Because then the doll, the hand, the demon hand- Uh-huh. Uh, reaches out, reaches out and front, takes it so back like sees. it didn't mean for it to happen oh so oh, so good what's gonna happen what's gonna happen nothing yeah no nothing happens there she she hides in her covers and then the next thing we know she wakes up in the morning and everything was fine so it's almost like this demon is a little kid but we know it's not we know that it's not so if they're even if they're just trying to reinforce the fact that it might still be b but she's corrupted in some way it's not b at all it's just the fucking demon Why would a demon behave this way? Yeah. Why would a demon rock? Like, it's just a little kid demon that just wants to have fun. Why would it rock a doll? Why why would it? No, my doll, not yours. Linda. Right. Totally. But again, it's like, oh, man, this is really going to fuck with her head. (laughs) She just falls asleep and then wakes up the next morning. Such a good 
for me, it was so well done, and then just no payoff. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Fair. Movie. Yeah. The next day. Okay, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. The wheelchair scene. <laughs> so, Janice is in the wheelchair. This is the last of her protagonist scenes that she's going to get in the movie. Charlotte is, Sister Charlotte is pushing her out in the yard. She convinces her to go outside and is pushing her out into the yard. She sees all the other girls playing out there on the side of the barn or whatever. And then we hear the ringing bell from Mrs. Mullins. And so Charlotte's like, eh, just wait here. I'll be right back. And she goes inside. And Janice is watching the girls play. And then all of a sudden her wheelchair starts getting pushed again. And then, like you say, you think it's the nun that's doing this. I, I don't think it is. I don't think it has to be. I don't think it would make sense if it was. It wouldn't. It, it's an unidentified demon. And we get a couple of these, like with the fucking scarecrow. You know, like, what the fuck is that? But the way that it's dressed and she thinks it's Sister Charlotte. Right, but the nun doesn't dress like Sister Charlotte does. Sister Charlotte is wearing... Um, I mean the shoes and black tights. Sure, but the nun never dresses like that. Ever. The nun is always wearing, like, a full habit and dress and everything. Always. And so this one is sort of semi-casual. You just need to know, just imagine it's Charlotte, but a demon form of Charlotte. It starts pushing her and then pushing her faster. And then, importantly, Janice screams because yes. she is terrified. Yes. And she gets shoved into the barn and then she gets locked in the barn. They've already established that she is within hearing range of the girls. Yes. We saw and heard them from her perspective. And importantly, at the end of this scene, she's going to scream and then everyone's going to come bursting in. They're going to hear her, her then. Mm-hmm. When she's inside the barn, not when she's out in the open. Yeah. But, you know, effective visuals here when B sort of like comes after her. But I don't know if the movie is trying to show us that, like, when the ghosts come, like, they develop, like, their own, like, force field or something. Because later, when the teenage girls are confronted with the scarecrow, the girl's going to be shouting for her friends. And all of a sudden, it's going to go, like, dead silent, even though her friends were just outside uh -huh. the door two seconds ago. And it's like... Is the implication that they, like I said, create like a force field, but that doesn't make any sense here because, like you said, they're going to hear her scream five minutes from now. Yeah. After it's too late because B is going to vomit into her mouth and now Janice is possessed. Yes. Which is what they did in The Conjuring with yes. Bathsheba and the yeah. mom. Uh-huh. Totally. I am fine with all of that. I just don't like the weird inconsistencies that are peppered throughout. Mm -hmm. So and now Janice is going to like sort of turn into our villain here for the rest of the movie. And that's fucking awesome. And I thought the little girl did a great job of it. Yeah. When they come inside, she gives them this little smile and she's like, I'm fine. Yeah. Uh huh. It is creepy. It is legitimately creepy. But that's when, when she, when she gives that smile and says, I'm fine. That's when Linda's like, Oh shit. Something's yeah, gone Linda wrong. Linda knows something's up. Something's wrong here. <laughs> Something's wrong here. <laughs> so she tries to convince the other girls that we need to get out of here. And remember that one of the teenage girls is still freaked the fuck out from that ghost of Mrs. Mullins that they created. <laughs> yeah. One of the girls says, why would anyone want to leave this place? And that's when that teenage girl says, because this place is off the wall. Right? So, I mean, I guess... I will give the movie this when it has its random monsters, like whatever the fuck was pushing Janice and 
the Scarecrow, and the Creepy Mrs. Mullins, it's almost like it's manifesting people's individual fears. But that's not what this movie is about. It's not the theme of the movie. This and isn't it, it doesn't and it doesn't establish that very well. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is what's going on, but it feels out of place in this movie. Also, he can do all of this at the same time that he's doing it to other people. Yes. That's so annoying. he's in multiple places at the same time. What is happening here? If you're going to do something like this, you need to either be a little bit more explicit or reinforce it better through the themes. And it does neither. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's around this point where she's not getting enough support from the other girls. So I think she goes and talks to LaPaglia. And LaPaglia is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why do you know about this doll? Yeah, she went into the room. She found the doll. And he's like, that room is supposed to be locked. It's like, yeah, well, it wasn't. This doll is supposed to be hidden away. You mustn't uh-huh. go near it. And it's like way too oh, late, yeah. dog. He snaps on her. And she's like, oh, shit. But he's he's like, oh, no, it's happening again. Because the doll was let out. The doll has fucking nothing to do with it. It's just it's a just doll. just a doll. I've had so many dolls. (laughs) This is when he gets a note and it says, found you. Yeah. it's. I think it's his original note because I think it's in his handwriting and not the doll's crayon writing. Maybe. Something like that. And this is when he will see Janice walk away from her wheelchair. Yes. This is not a miracle situation. So he goes and he tries to use his cross to get away the darkness and it doesn't work and at first i was really irritated i was like what the fuck so the church doesn't have any power and then i realized oh no no he gave up on the church when he invited the devil into his house Uh the church doesn't work for you anymore because your belief is fucked yeah we we got we get all this explanation about what it is that they did They just wanted to see their daughter again, and they went with whoever was going to give them that opportunity. Yeah, they said, anybody out there will do anything. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, you know, Pet cemetery. It's also somewhere around here that we get the reveal that B is short for Annabelle. Our beloved B. Our darling. Annabelle. Somehow and for some reason. Our busy bee. Yeah. I know it's cute. This little girl, they name her bee. They call her the busy bee. There are there are stained glass windows that have bees in them. There are bees on the newel posts <laughs> along the railing up the stair. Like wow, the look concept, at you noticing all this stuff. The concept of like this little girl calling her their busy bee, it's really cute. What the fuck that has to do with the name Annabelle, I don't know. You know what sucks about all this? Annabelle's a really cute name. It is a really cute name. (laughs) It really is. Well, you can't name your kid that now. Nope. Sorry for all those people that named their kid Annabelle in 2015. (laughs) Maybe by the time they grow up, it'll be less prominent. So, LaPaglia is dead. He dies here. Yeah, so... While something's happening to somebody else, I don't remember what, he holds the cross up to the demon, who, by the way, is also Joseph Bashara, the composer for a lot of these movies, but not this one. Uh, the he red, also... The lipstick face He's demon? the lipstick face demon, and he's Bathsheba. He is the demon in this one, too. It, like, bends his fingers backwards, and then I think Charlotte finds him just completely dead. So he's out of the picture. We have now... A house full of women, two of them that can't walk, well, one of them can now, and a demon. Yeah, and that night after they've buried him, all the girls are going to bed, and 
Linda sees Janice just sitting off by herself, staring off into the darkness, sitting there with the doll. Yeah. And Linda is convinced it's the doll. The doll is the problem. Uh So if I get rid of the doll, everything will be fixed. But remember... She's just a doll. Right. The doll is nothing. The doll is nothing. The doll is nothing. But this will give us another great shot of little Linda in her white dressing gown running across the lawn with the doll. At night with the doll in tow. It's a great shot. This this is when Charlotte is talking to Miranda Otto, right? And she reveals the mark on her face and tells her everything that happened, right? Yes. This is at the same time as that, yes. Yeah, and so when Charlotte sees her running out, she leaves and goes after Linda. Yes. What are you doing? I gotta get rid of this doll. She's gonna drop it in there the well. There just happens to be an enormous well. Uh-huh. This thing is massive. Well, I mean, they gotta get their water somehow. But it is just a hole. There's no, like, bucket and line system or anything. But, I don't know. So, I don't know how this shit worked. Maybe that's what would it would be like. But So, again, we saw another review where, like, people were upset that it seemed obvious that she was gonna get pulled down into the well. It's a little I, obvious. It is obvious, but I don't yeah. have a problem uh-huh. with that. That's that's tension building. Yeah, like, the whole I know point something's, is you gonna know something's gonna happen. Like, that's right, yeah. building that suspense in me. They drop it down there. Could it have been cooler? Yes. And then I don't know why she feels compelled to go look down. Because she hears whispering. Okay, yeah. It sounds like Janice is down there, because Janice is down there. <laughs> in a way, yeah. Linda leans over, having thrown the doll down there, and these demon hands come up and grab her. Charlotte is able to grab her and pull her out and then close the It could have been well. cooler. It could have been scarier. It could yes. have been the fucking demon. Yeah. This uh-huh. would have been a good chance for the demon to make a spotlight moment, but it didn't uh-huh. happen. It was just little girl hands, and that's kind of lame. Yeah. But yeah, so it's kind of funny when Sister Charlotte pulls her up out of there. She's like, what was that? And Linda says, who cares? Let's go. (laughs) What is that? It's kind of good. Yeah. And so they run back to the house. Yes. And this is when Sister Charlotte's like, what the fuck is going on in this house? And Mrs. Mullins is forced to tell her we summoned the goddamn devil. Yep. Or a demon. They think it's the devil, but it's really just some rando demon. We know it's just the demon. Uh-huh. Around this time, Mrs. Mullins is going to get ripped in half, because that's what the demon wanted to do all along. Yeah, they're going to come into the room later, and they see the mask off, and they see blood, and then they look on the wall, and she's, like, been crucified on the wall, but all of her guts are hanging loose because she's been ripped in half, and I don't think we ever find her lower half. Sister Charlotte is going to start praying. And she's going to levitate while she's praying, which I thought was done pretty was, well. Yeah. I was, I everyone that. was like, oh, my God, she's floating. And, like, you don't – you sort of slowly realize that something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. And she gets slammed against the wall. Uh-huh. Because that's what demons do. Yes. They just throw – obviously, they can rip you in half. But most of the time, they just want to toss you around a little bit. Yes. It's more fun to watch you slowly die. <laughs> but remember, Mrs. Mullins pissed him off. Because he tried to kill her before and was stopped. Yes. That's why she wore the mask, because she had the mark of the demon's hand across her face. Yeah. Do they explain how LaPaglia got her to, got him to stop in that moment? Oh, he brought the, the priest with him. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. This is when the scarecrow scene will happen. The oldest or the second oldest. The two oldest are involved in this whole scarecrow thing. 
they're one like, of them gets isolated. They're like in a car or something, and they see the scare. Oh, the car won't start. Yeah, and the car keeps flashing its lights, which is why they're able to do what they do. And the scarecrow is there, and then he's not there, and that's kind of cool. There's these moments. Yeah. It's effective, but it's way out of place. It's way out of place, especially since you know Janice is doing her own thing up at the house right now. Yeah, Janice She's- is chasing everybody down. Yeah. So who is the puppet master behind the scarecrow? No. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. And then Carol, I forget why, but she runs into the barn where where she then sees, uh uh-oh, this is where the scarecrow scarecrow went. went. And and he kind of like grows into, it's it's hard to describe what happens with the scarecrow. It's there, like a scarecrow is, right? And then instead of stuffing, the stuffing is magically being replaced by an actual body, but you never see the body. It just sort of fills the inside of the scarecrow. And then it kind of comes after her. And then, like you say, she's terrified. Everything gets really quiet. Yeah, she, like, tries to bang on the door because her friends should be immediately on the other side. And suddenly it just goes dead silent. And you're like, where did her friends go? And they will magically appear... Right when she needs them to at a window on the other side of yeah. the barn. And you're just like, what just happened? Yeah, it's very unclear. It's just one of those moments where you're just supposed to get wrapped up in it and not ask a lot of questions. Well, because it is cool. Like, you, the bulbs are slowly unscrewing. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's another cool thing that comes from Sandberg's shorts of the... Uh, not like his literal short pants, but I mean, like, <laughs> his short films. Uh, the bulb unscrewing itself is actually really fucking cool. And then, like, because it's getting darker and darker, she has to reach up and grab this one, which would totally burn her hands. Yes. And prevent it from unscrewing and take it back in. And now there's just this one isolated light. And she's panicked underneath it, just looking at this light. And then the demon hand comes out of nowhere and crushes it. It's good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. But why is it in this it's Just movie? a little out of place. Yeah. So... Yes, she ends up getting rescued by the other older girl who pops in. And when she pops in, because demons are shy, <laughs> somebody else shows up, everything's fine. Yes. And, you know, they take her out. And so they're all these older kids and all the other orphans are trying to get out of here, but the car won't start, yada, yada. This Charlotte's is, been th- thrown around. This is the... Uh... Yes. So Janice is going after Linda. And Linda hides in the dumbwaiter and tries to go from the top floor to the bottom floor. And then she sees either the demon or Janice down there. They reach in through the dumbwaiter shaft and grab onto the bottom. And it's the demon hands grab onto the bottom of the dumbwaiter that Linda is in. And she climbs out the top and grabs onto one of the ropes. So when the demon yanks the dumbwaiter down, just struggles to pull it down, Linda, who's holding onto like the counterweight rope, gets pulled back up upstairs and away from the demon. I thought that was really clever stuff. I I really, really liked that, actually. That hmm. the demon trying to get to her is what allowed her to get away. Hmm. That's It's clever stuff. I wrote down, wow, that dumbwaiter solution is really smart. Yeah, it is. Well, Sister Charlotte ends up getting her rosary around the neck of Janice somehow, says, go straight to hell, and pushes her back into the holy closet. Which, remember, we already know, doesn't contain jack shit. Yes. But With the doll. So the doll and Janice are shoved into the closet, 
and that allows them to get away. And they run outside, and it's very it feels very poltergeist. The house kind of oh, lights yeah, up a lights little bit. Oh, yeah, it lights up like it's going to get sucked in. <laughs> but it doesn't. But it doesn't. This is when the cops show up. Uh-huh. And they, they're like, fuck you guys. We aren't afraid of a doll. And they're like, no. They go but to the closet. They open, they open it, it up. up. It's just the Annabelle doll. And there's a hole in the back of the closet. Janice has gotten out. And the rosary has been left behind, which I'm just like, I don't understand. Does the rosary do nothing? I thought it, I thought it would work here because it was Sister Charlotte whose whose faith has been unbroken, but apparently not. No, the 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 priest shows up, come holding the doll, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, it's the doll!" And he's like, "No, it's okay. Don't worry. The house has been blessed. There's nothing wrong with this doll anymore. Who wants to take it?" And they're all like, eh, eh. "Fuck so that he, shit." He throws it in the back of his car. Which is where it will eventually get... Do we see where the husband bought the doll in Annabelle? I don't think we... I don't think we do. Do. I think he just comes home with it. Yeah. So, here's the thing. The next scene that we get... Sunny California. Janice is about to get adopted by characters that feel familiar. Like, actors where you're like, okay, they've been in this franchise before. <laughs> How do I know them? They are the next door neighbors from Santa Monica at the beginning of the Annabelle movie. And they have come to adopt Janice, who is now going by the name Annabelle. I thought that that was really fucking clever. Where'd this girl come from? Where are all her paper? Where's her paperwork? Well, like she's an orphan. You know, you don't have all your paperwork. And it's, you know, in the past... Of course, it still requires a lot of convenience that they happen to move in next door to somebody who happens to be a doll collector, who happens to get that specific Annabelle doll. But it's it because I was just talking about how this movie would make the original Annabelle killing herself over the doll, which is what happens in the first Annabelle movie. The next door neighbor's daughter who gets wrapped up in a cult and comes back and kills her parents and then kills herself over like while holding the doll and then bleeds on the doll and you think oh my god the doll is now possessed with her no we find out in the Annabelle movie that's not what happens at all it's just a doll uh, but it, it would make that all a huge huge coincidence until we find out that is Janice grown up 12 years later that's okay I, that makes sense now but still a lot of contrived conveniences but it's, just, it's so weird like it's just like it, it's so Janice or now Annabelle, who has a demon inside of her. Wants to get back to the doll, which is nothing. Needs to be back to the doll. Which is nothing. The doll is nothing. Firstly, there's no such thing as Annabelle, and there never was. Ghosts don't possess such a power. I think what we have here is something extremely manipulative. It's something inhuman. So the doll was never possessed. No, no, it was used as a conduit. It was moved around to give the impression of possession. Demonic spirits don't possess things. They possess people. It wanted to get inside of you. I don't get it. The doll because, is but, a tool but, and so it doesn't show even use us, that doll. They show us that that the demon stays latent within within Janice because they show you pictures of her as she grows up. Uh-huh. And she's unhappy, unhappy, unhappy. And then finally, when the neighbors show up, she has a happy picture. So it's supposed to be that the, uh-huh. the demon just stayed latent inside of her all this time. What did the doll do? The doll, 
Like, I know we've been saying this the entire, entire time. I thought the But whole- there are three Annabelle movies and the intro to The Conjuring dedicated to this fucking doll. And the doll is nothing. It does nothing. It's never possessed. I thought the whole point was to use that to confuse people to get into a, into a them. soul. And it's once you have that tool. soul... You he don't can need do the fucking wants. doll anymore. Yeah. The doll is not, and it could have been any doll. Why this specific doll? It's fucking pointless. The problem is, is that the intro to The Conjuring, <laughs> the very first time we see Annabelle in The Conjuring universe, already in that scene undermines that doll as something to be afraid of. But everyone really liked the doll and thought the doll was cool. Okay, we'll make a series of movies or at least one spinoff that became a series of movies about the doll. But again, before the first movie is ever made, it's revealed that the doll is fucking nothing. It is just a means to an end. It's really bad. And the doll itself does nothing on its own. It's really, really bad. Yeah. So as cool as it seems, it's really bad, actually. But I do like how they managed to cleverly tie it back into the first movie, despite the fact, again, too many contrivances. I wrote down, it makes sense that this is the Lights Out guy, because it has strong and isolation sort of gimmicks. And those are where his shorts were strongest. And his shorts were like two minutes long, and that's all they needed to be. And that was the biggest problem with Lights Out, which we didn't cover on this show, but we did watch on our own is that it should have just been a short. It was a very good, fun, quick, breezy, and scary short mm-hmm. and that he did with his wife. Mm-hmm. And it didn't need to be a movie. And nope. But obviously he's very talented and he has great ideas. He'd go on to direct Shazam, and now he's directing the follow-up Shazam movie as well. Okay. The movie ends with a shot of the doll, of course, and the music box music. Yeah, from The Conjuring. Remember you like The Conjuring? Remember that's why you're here. Yeah, uh, you like The Conjuring. I you're do like The Conjuring the 1. Conjuring. I like The Conjuring 2 more than Kelsey did. We like The Nun more than anybody else did. And then we get a, coming up soon, <laughs> the, the nun. nun. Oh yeah, at the end of the credits, you just get The Nun walking down the hallway and candles being A Romanian being Abbey. Yeah, which is where The Nun takes place. In 1952. So like, okay, I'm sorry we like The Nun. We didn't, We okay, maybe it feels like we like The Nun more than we did just because everyone fucking hated The Nun. Yeah, I think it I think it had a lot to do with the fact that we had been told how bad it was going to be and then we saw him really- It's like, that's fine. It's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, okay, Kelsey, what do you think Annabelle Creation has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, since this is the one that everybody liked, what did the original Annabelle get? The original got a 29. Yeah. You gave it a 30. I gave it a 40. I'm going to say that this one probably has a 67. 71. 71. So not far off. Far off from that. 71. Annabelle Creation adds another strong chapter to the Conjuring franchise. Such a hit and miss, and I think maybe more misses, and offers further proof that freaky-looking dolls remain reliably terrifying. The doll's not scary. The doll's not anything. a doll. It's just a doll. Metacritic of 62. Cinema score of a B, which makes sense. I don't know why I'm scared of you. (laughs) What to do. (laughs) How to be frightened. 
<laughs> I've been changed. Yes, really changed. In these past few years, when I've seen the doll, it's not frightening at all. All right. What would you give it? Do you think 71 is overrated or underrated? Slightly overrated. I would not go up into the 70s for this. I might hit a just a flat 70. Maybe. Wow. Maybe. No. There's a lot of quality stuff here and a lot of annoyances. He he didn't care enough about his movie. He did not care enough to make sure that it co- it was cohesive. Well, I think that the writer didn't. And Sandberg, the director, did some pretty great stuff with what he was forced to jam into this Annabelle universe, which is part of the Conjuring universe. And it's like, okay, I think that's most of the places it falls down. But again, like I said before, a lot of the best features still feel out of place in the larger context of the movie. So what would you give it? I'm going to give it a 64. I don't know that I would go that low. I think I'll give it a high 60s. I think I'll go 68. It's... Okay, I would be willing to watch this on a casual Sunday afternoon, you know, just as something like I did it on. I didn't dislike it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of quality stuff hiding around in here. It's obvious that Sandberg is a talented director. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if it should have been couched in this particular movie, in this particular sub franchise, in this particular larger franchise. Because mm-hmm. that's really where he's hobbled. But. I mean, when we saw Lights Out, maybe he isn't suited for full-length motion pictures. You know, the best parts of Shazam are, like, individual funny moments. So, like, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe he's a shorts guy. Yeah, that's what he is. Uh-huh. I think but he is. good stuff, though. I, I think that he's a good director, but I think that he needs a very... Good script. Yeah. He I needs could, a I very imagine, solid script. I could imagine him doing some pretty actually incredible stuff with the right script. hmm Yeah. So that is 2017's Annabelle Creation, part of the Conjuring universe. What are we watching next week now that our doll week is over, Kelsey? Next week, we are doing something we haven't done in a long time. We're going to watch an a very old school original monster movie. We're going to watch 1931's Frankenstein. Yep. And very we're going excited to, for that. Boris Karloff. Yes. And we're going to pair it with a version of Frankenstein I hadn't heard of before from 2015 called Frankenstein. Yeah, it's just called Frankenstein. So this is going to be a double feature. Although it is sort of like a modern Frankenstein movie. Uh, not to be confused with Victor Frankenstein, which is probably the more high-profile one, that also came out that same year. Oh. Um, we'll watch that one, I'm sure, the next time we watch a Frankenstein movie or something else. So yes, double feature of Frankenstein's the original Universal Frankenstein from 1931 and a modern reimagining from 2015 just simply called Frankenstein. So keep an eye out for that next week. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter at podcemetery and subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. The biggest help you can give us there is a five star written review, but even bigger than that is just sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that, 
is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? And what are children after all but consumer trainees? You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. So while I was sitting here waiting for you to finish reading up on your notes, how much of that time was you copy-pasting lyrics and swapping out words? It wasn't. I just did that right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. I thought that was the joke that you really te- uh, pleased yourself with when you were in Oh, bed. the joke I pleased myself with was that I thought of that out of nowhere. It's oh, just it's just a, a doll. doll. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's pretty good, Kels. Are you going to do that every fucking 10 seconds, dog? Jesus wept. For there were no more worlds to conquer. What is that from? It's from Community. Is it? Yes. Okay, good call. Good, 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 good uh, poll. <laughs> it's such a great joke. <laughs> Yes, it was the VR episode, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) God, that show was so good. Even when it was bad, it was good. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is Justin Whalen. Which is so weird. Whenever I hear his name, I feel like I knew somebody named Justin Whalen in, in school. So do I. It's, it is weird. <laughs> Did everyone know a Justin Whalen? <laughs> He's too old for me to have known. Blah, 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 military academy stuff. Because honestly, when people mow their lawn on a weekend, it feels like a personal attack. <laughs> Seems like there is not a time during the day when somebody isn't mowing their lawn with an earshot. And when that's not happening, there's a helicopter that's just always circling over our heads. And planes that are driving like an old lady on a Sunday. Just going as slow as they possibly can to make as much noise and last as long as they possibly and as low as they possibly can.